0: A very warm welcome to part 3 of the Beyond the Zero end of year special with Ben and Seth. In part 3, we speak to Ricky Dracone, David Leo Rice, Maddie Markwood, Philip Friedenberg, Dustin Illingworth, Ryan O'Connor, Emily Hall and many more, and Seth and I finally talk about our picks. Over to Glasgow
1: and hear from Ryan O'Connor. Hey Ben, this is Ryan O'Connor, author of The Voids, calling from a, a very icy Glasgow. Um, I believe the current temperature is around minus eight degrees out there, which is um, pretty cold for us, especially when it's this consistent. It's been pretty consistent. Um, though I have to say to the, Canadi- to the Canadian in front of me in the queue this morning, the news agents say uh, apparently this was a temperature to be mocked and scoffed at, uh, minus eight degrees. Um, Certainly it's been cold enough for me to be wandering around the house, driving my family absolutely daft by constantly muttering things like there's 15 feet of snow in the east and it's colder than a well Digger's ass, colder than a well Digger's ass and a really bad impersonation of uh, uh, Tom Waits. But um, any excuse for a Tom Waits impersonation, I always say. Um, So, um, uh, thank you for asking me to to give a round up of some of my reads in 2022 and more importantly thanks for creating and hosting such an amazing and such an amazing literary um podcast it really has been a revelation at times for me this year you know some of the the books that i've um um discovered through your podcast and some of the great guests you, you've had and it's just been um been fantastic fantastic to listen to um 2022, for me, was a bit of a hectic year. And then my partner and I had um, our second child. Well, that was in September 2021. And although, of course, that was last year, he was my main focus of this year. Um, there was also the publication of the hardback edition of The Voids in March, which I was still editing um, a few weeks before it went to the printers, followed by the publication of the paperback in August. So combined, um, The Birth of us. Second, Son and the publication of the voids, and you know and all the promotional stuff that accompanies it. I didn't have as much time for reading as I would have liked. Um, also, I'm, I'm realizing as I look through the list I've scribbled down here, there are books I've read and not included, um, not because I didn't like them, um, or I wouldn't have put I, I would have I would have put them on the list. Um, I've just been so exhausted. My head's been so all over the place that um, I've forgotten to even read them. To be honest, there's a lot of books coming back to to my mind now, but, um, I think I should just go on as is, um, yeah, so with the year starting, kind of as it continued chaotically, um, my early memories are of a few short story collections, and um, first up was a couple of writers I hadn't read before, um, the collected short fiction of Gerald Murnane and the collected stories of Bruno Schultz, both of which I thought were superb and I loved for very different reasons, um, the Schultz stories in particular really got to me, though. The way he, kind of, the way he paints are just scenes or just objects, even with kind of this deep, often dark, alchemical palette. It's just what I thought was just wonderful. And it pulled me right in. I don't know if you've read any uh, Bruno Schultz. You probably have. But if you haven't, I imagine you'd like him and you should maybe, you should check him out. Um, and then there was the the one and only Wendy Erskins. uh what seems effortlessly brilliant which is I guess which is one of the reasons it's so good because she makes it seem effortless when well we all know that really that it isn't um, her collection Dance Move and um, that was superb uh, and I was, I was trying to think how I went about reading this year because I really did find it difficult with everything that was going on I had to work up and in, into things a bit so there were also kind of early rereads um of David Shields David Shields' Reality Hunger and Henry Muller's The Wisdom of the Heart, both of which were great because I could dip into and out of them, you know, and kind of just keep my or get my head and heart kind of ticking t- 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 over, as it was. Um, sticking with re-reads, uh those though these were at different times throughout the year. There was Russell Hoban's Ridley Walker, Oscar Wilde's *De Profundis*, Clarice Lispector's *Agua Viva*, Pinchins. Um, The Crying of Lot 49 and Blaise Sendrar's um, Confessions of Danyak. Novels are read for the first time. Dermot Healy's Sudden Times and then his magnificent A Goat Song, Grace Kralanovich's The Orange Eats Creeps, and Ben Marcus's The Age of Wire and String um, and then The Flame Alphabet. Also Mike McCormack's Solar Bones. Um, I think that was from your podcast that um, I got this re- recommendation. It was Daniel Davis Wood's. I think it's been, who I think was a superb guest and one, one of my favourite guests actually had on this year. Um, I had meant to read to, to read uh, Solar Bones when it came out, and to be honest, I had completely forgotten about it until um, I heard him recommend it. I think it was in his top ten um, novels. I read that were published this year. I'd mentioned Fernando Melchor's Paradise, and then I read actually that Hurricane Season after that. Um, Keith Ridgway's Shock. Superb as well. Um there were two two books that really stood out for me this year. Um the first was Patrick McCabe's Pogue Mahone. Um it was great to see Mr McCabe on such brilliantly wild form and you know and then then some really. Um you know, I hope he wouldn't mind me saying saying this, but he's the old school real deal, I think. And personally, I would say thank fuck there's still those like him among us because we need them, I think, so badly. Um, we always do, but for some reason just now, I think we need them more than ever. Um, and There's a lot of very, very talented writers out there, but, well, if few kick your arse like Patrick McCabe. Um, uh, my other standout book, this standout book for me this year, was Michael Winkler's Grimish. You know, haven't done the whole debut book thing this year, it became quite clear how much writing or rather kind of making a living career out of writing is such a, a game or it can be. I mean there's so much bullshit bullshit around it, writers and their publishers pushing all sorts of lines and selling all sorts of merchandise and stuff. I mean we all do it to some degree, but I have to say honestly, by the time I was halfway through this year, I was growing tired of the whole ridiculous shoot match and kind of wondering what I'd got myself involved in. Um and the publishing side of it. I was definitely losing faith a little bit. Um then I opened Grimish and hollered, yes. I mean, literally, it was four in the morning, I think, because I was trying to find time to read in such a crazy household. And I remember reading the passage and shouting out loud, which is going to just sound bonkers, go for it, Winkler. <laughs> and, and, and actually, my partner came to the top of the stairs and shouted down to see if everything was OK. She was wondering what the hell was going on. And I was <laughs> explaining, no, I just read something that I really that really got to me, basically. Um, there's a quote on the back of, I've got a co- copy of my, book, my edition here actually from Helen Garner in the back of the, the book um, where she says what does she say she says Grimish meets a need I didn't even know I had I mean I'd say that it met a need I knew I had but that I wasn't expecting to be to be met really I mean for me it's so much more obviously so much more than a book about a poor boy who grows up to be a boxer um, it's this mad metaphysical, wounded, wonderful, shooting star of a thing that, uh, I mean, crashing kind of through the literary, a, a literary firmament, in fact, that for me is just too often kind of mapped out and I guess, you know, littered with the debris of the stuff that I was just previously talking about, you know, and, and, but just, it was just illuminating for me. I just thought it was great. Um, and I'd, anyway, I everyone to read it. Um, Going forward, books I'm planning to read. Uh, one that you've mentioned a lot is Solenoid. Also, I really want to read Waypoints by Adam Houston. Um, also Samuel Delaney's Dalgren because several people now, including you, actually, have said that the voice made them think about that book. And I have to be completely honest; say I'd never even I'd never even heard of it. So I'd really like to read that. Um, someone whose work I should have read before now because he's from my hometown, and well from where I live now, Glasgow, and I know him a bit now, um, and is a great writer, and I haven't read, read his work, and I really, as I say, should have, is David Keenan, so I'm really looking forward to reading For the Good Times, um, which actually reminds me, me, I was thinking about this when I was talking earlier, I did buy and dip into copies of Monument Maker, and also Daniel James's, The Unauthorised Biography of Ezra Mass, and I, I, liked, I, I liked and enjoyed them both, I just didn't have the chance to really get into them, but um, maybe I will do um, next year however um, my, my main reading project I do have a kind of main reading project for, for 2023 20, and that is to get through the work of Laszlo Krasna Horkai um, I've read uh, Satan, Satan Tango and The Melancholy of Resistance and I thought they were just on another level altogether so I desperately want to read different of his I, I can um, for me at the moment I mean he's he's way out there in his own i mean just doing incredible stuff um I'd, yeah i'd like to dive deeper and deeper in there if i if i can um all that said um um i've started tentatively uh, writing my next novel a bit of an unruly thing with the just very much a working title the working title of messiah mm-hmm. um Uh, which starts in Glasgow, I think i mentioned it to you a little bit before, it starts in Glasgow with a case of mistaken identity, slides into kind of dark duplicity, moves to Greenwich, involves an unbammed corpse, antiquities, the criminal underworld, um, and then winds up deep in French Guiana. Um, So, I may not get any reading done (laughs) at all next year, other than works relating to Messiah. We shall see. Um, Anyway, Merry Christmas and a happy new year to you Ben um, and to everyone else listening uh, when it comes and I'll just say thank you and goodbye.
0: Let's stay in the UK and talk to Thomas More. Thanks for joining me on the end of year Christmas Hanukkah mashup special Thomas More.
2: My pleasure, happy Christmas.
0: Well I just want to ask you uh, what were some of your favourite picks of 2022 in reading?
2: I, I don't want to just sound like I'm just trying to um, s- sell stuff from amphetamine sulphate, but I've, I've got to say Isabel Nicou, Stricture, uh, Zealous Immaculate by Audrey Sasse, uh are two of my favourite books of the year. Um, the other stuff, you know, since lockdown, I, I get really confused <coughs> over what year things have come out um I want to say um Brontes Pennell, uh, 100 Boyfriends is, is a book that I've absolutely loved um Brontes is an incredible writer from San Francisco um he also plays in a bunch of bands and has kind of been active on the kind of underground music scene for years as well um but he uh yeah 100 Boyfriends just it kind of it it brought me to tears that book um it's also funny as hell so yeah i, I recommend that isabel Niku, audrey sass and brontes pernell
0: yeah brilliant i know you've got a book coming out next year do you want to tell us what the title is and when we can expect that
2: yeah it's called your dreams and i don't know when it's coming out yet i don't want to jinx it but it will be out this year definitely
0: okay good and do you want to tell us? Are there any books you're looking forward to in 2023?
2: Yep, I'm looking forward to a new book by Audrey Sass. Um, I'm looking forward to Snellis' new book, um, and I'm sure there's a bunch of others I'm forgetting. But you know, in, independent writing is in such a good good state at the moment. I think there's going to be tons of stuff to uh, to look forward to.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me, and enjoy your Christmas and have a very happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year.
0: Let's go to New York and speak to Emily Hall.
3: Hello, Ben. Uh, this is Emily Hall. And thank you so much for asking me to pitch in for your end of the year show. I uh, I read so many great things this year. Um, lots of recommendations via my Twitter pack. Lots of books by fellow authors at Dalkey Archive and Deep Vellum. Also a lot of rereading. Uh, in fact, I'm rereading The Savage Detectives just now. My highlights, the highest lights among many highlights, were another um, Bolaño book by night in Chile, which just blew me apart, and Ice by Anna Cavan, which I'd tried to read a few times before was never able to get into it i couldn't i couldn 't get the language in my ear, and who knows why you pick up a book one day again and then you finally crash through it, but I did, and I was really glad. Mm-hmm. I was also uh, very fortunate to be asked to write a blurb for Jen Craig's new book, Wall, uh, which is coming out next year. It's so bloody great. You're all going to love it. Next year, I'm looking forward to, I don't know, so many things. Uh, Excuse me while I rummage through my books-to-read pile. Um, And Truett's Diaries, I'm looking forward to. And Jack Lowry's book about art activism and AIDS. And among the novels, Jessica Sakura's Furious Oyster and Kogo Abe's Women in the Dunes. And those are just the ones I have to hand. So what's new in my work is a new bit of writing is being published in a journal called West Trade Review. It's a very short section from a new novel, but I, I guess this was inevitable. As soon as I signed off on it, something about the work shifted at a Very deep tectonic level. So, what I thought was a novel nearing a whole draft is now more or less in pieces on the floor. After a period of being completely paralyzed by this shock, this tectonic shock, I'm writing again. I'm writing a lot, but I don't know what it adds up to. But far from being dismayed about this, I had forgotten what that feels like not writing toward an end. And it feels like freedom, it feels like real freedom. So, uh, Happy New Year, everyone. I hope it's filled with new writing and fresh insight and lots of love. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Emily. Let's head over to Washington State and hear from Ricky Dukone.
4: As you know, as a species, we're finally having to deal with the reality, and that is that we're not the only conscious creatures on the planet. And I think that really was big news a few years ago when all these books came out on the octopus and a lot of us stopped eating the delicious octopus. I'm one of the people who stopped eating octopus. Um, I fell in love with Peter Godfrey Smith's beautiful book, Other Minds, as many people did, and so when Metazoa came out, I pounced and began to read that book. Um, It's called Metazoa, Animal Life and the Birth of the Mind, and that's exactly what he's doing, is, is giving us a vivid picture of mind of consciousness developing across the planet, and we watch that happening, moving from one species to the next, and we have a very cinematic and and intimate approach to that process, and it's fascinating. I was reading the book at the same time I came upon Other lands by Thomas Halliday, So I found myself reading the two books together pretty much, which is a thing I've done extremely rarely. But they were informing one another, they were in conversation with one another. Other lands, Thomas Halliday's is Other Lands, is it's a very beautiful and also very cinematic book. Why cinematic, I mean you're really, it's in full technicolor. I mean, you're there, and um and the ideas are palpable somehow, you're sort of embodying them. And I found with Other Lands he, as he is describing the transformation of ecological systems throughout the world, and therefore other places where animals are living and transforming. Um, you get a vivid picture and you're actually not just learning about the nature of these very variable eco- ecological systems and the transformation of the creatures, but at the same time you're seeing landscape, which is intriguing. So that was also informing my, my reading in a very vivid way of Metazoa. and And they continue to be in conversation up until the very, very end. And I'm really, really grateful. So it's an exciting experience. And, um, and thank you. It's fun to share that with you. So I'm hoping somebody else, yeah, leaps in and, and does that as well. It's just a great trip. Thanks.
0: Thanks Ricky. Let's go to David Leah Rice in New York. Thanks for joining me on the end of year, Hanukkah Christmas mashup special, David Leah Rice. Welcome to the show.
5: Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Good to see you.
0: (laughs) And joining me from Brooklyn again, but maybe soon not to be because you had some great news over the last few months. You've got a little girl.
5: We've got a little girl. Yeah, uh, she she joined joined the party. Um, Yeah, so we'll definitely have to move. We always flirt with the idea of moving back to New England, where I'm from. My wife's from Kansas, but I think if we were to move out, we would move to New England, which we could do, but I don't know. I imagine we'll move somewhere else in Brooklyn, but definitely... Uh, once the child starts, starts walking and running, she'll need some more space. Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that children, especially young children uh, do have an impact on writing, but I feel like you'd still be smashing out work. Have you got some stuff coming up?
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely rates the time that you do have to work with a new intensity um, and, and maybe keeps you from, from wasting time as much which is a good thing. I mean, I definitely do have less time than before, but I feel like I also uh, am maybe more able to make the most of the time that I have. So it I don't know if it quite evens out, but I'm telling myself that I'm not losing as much productivity as I feared I might. Um, so yeah, I, I am working on a number of things. I'm trying to, you know, like we were talking about before the show started, I feel like I'm in a kind of valedictory phase in that, you know, we've been in this apartment in Brooklyn for about 10 years, and you know, we'll we'll move out with the child. And I think a lot of the projects I'm working on are trying to wrap up like the first phase of my career, maybe. So I'm working on Dodge City three, right? The third book in a trilogy, which is basically done. I have probably a fifth or sixth draft uh that I I need to do one more pass on. So like for me, the when I'm editing, the thing that takes the most time is hand editing. Like I always print everything out and like get it bound up into a you know a manuscript and i go through and do the really heavy lifting with a pen and then when i input it back into the draft like that part is usually more mechanical Mm -hmm. so i have one more round of inputting the edits that i've made and as i tell myself now famous last words but hopefully it will be done at that point So, so that one's almost done and then the other thing i'm trying to finish is a new story collection for 1111 that should come out next year which are like apocrypha of my novel, Angel House. Okay. So I have this earlier novel, novel called Angel House that focuses on this character called Professor Squimbop. And for the past maybe five years, I've been writing standalone stories about the brothers Squimbop, who are characters that sometimes become Professor Squimbop.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So the Southwest Review has been publishing those serially, and I'm working on the last of that series, which should come out um let's see there's one that is already in the can that'll come out in like the winter issue and then this new one should come out in the spring issue so then that should be done too and in a way like those two projects like the angel house world and the dodge city world will be kind of wrapped up once these two things are finished so it feels like a good um leave taking of whatever the the sort of first chapter is Mm. um so, so i'm excited about that but also there's something melancholic about saying goodbye you know maybe i'll use these characters again but i feel like i'm saying goodbye to a kind of networked phase of production um so yeah those things are underway i also this fall they reissued i wrote like a pornographic mystical text called the porn me trinity Mm -hmm. that i describe as like a pilgrim's progress of porn that came out in 2020 (laughs) right when the pandemic hit and got reissued last month in october Oh, cool. And it has like a new foreword, a new afterward, it's kind of like a deluxe edition, yeah, um, so i'm very I'm very excited about that, and it's kind of hope it'll find a new life after cool. the the pandemic and it's interesting that it is about someone in a kind of total tech mediated lockdown. Mm. wow, even that's though it was right cool. before, before that actually happened, yeah, yeah, so that's out now. um, yeah, and then the other thing, in terms of a new project. Uh, I've been starting to think about doing a sequel to The New House. Okay. And in a way it would be like the, you know, the novel The New House ends without giving too much away, but at a kind of decision point where Mm -hmm. this young artist has to decide whether to stay in the small town or go to the sort of great Babylon of the art Mm -hmm. world and and New York. And so the sequel could sort of be, you know, imagining what would happen if he did go to the city, if he went to New York. Yeah. Um, And I've been sort of thinking that, you know, as, part of wrapping up this first decade of mine being in New York, I feel finally ready to write my New York novel, Mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully to do it in a very, if if I can do it, you know, in a very unusual way. Like I'm not interested in the classic kind of New York novel, or at least I don't feel I have that much to add to that, but it's the first time that I've started to feel a kind of nostalgia or, or hauntedness or like any of the emotions that lead me to write about towns it's the first time I felt those emotions about the city. Uh, And I was talking to my father about it and I, you know, he he was here recently for Thanksgiving and we passed like a little, like a Pret, you know, one of those chain cafes where I said I would often sit and like eat a sandwich before going to teach in my very first years of living in New York when I taught at uh, this thing called the Gotham writers workshop. Um, There was kind of an interesting place to teach and I met good people, but it paid like nothing, like literally almost nothing. And I just, told my father, like, I, you know, vividly remember sitting there and like eating this kind of crummy sandwich with almost no work published and like nothing done and not knowing where anything was going to go and teaching this job that, you know, made no contribution to paying my rent, meaning I had four other jobs, you know, and on and on. And my father said, you know, you really owe it to yourself to explore that chapel of humiliation. (laughs) So I think the new house too, if I do it, will be called, you know, the new house too, the chapel of humiliation. (laughs) Uh,
0: so, um, so that, I assume, that's where my head's at there you go i assume he'll end up in a really small apartment with a child in brooklyn
5: of course and then have to flee to the to the country and then the the new house one will start which maybe will be the new house three if it's then <laughs> the, you know his perspective of being the father rather than the child
0: exactly and then you find out at the end that the baby is like some elaborate art construction
5: exactly like the eraser head baby or, that's right yeah all right uh or or like some reincarnated spirit of, you know, the previous. I, and I often think about in trilogy, because I'm thinking about this with Dodge City 3 mm. also, that in trilogies, volume one and volume three have to speak with each other. You know, they're yeah. kind of versions of each other because it's like arrival is volume one, mm. you know, entrenchment or trying to like just be where you are is volume two. Yeah. And then escape is volume three. And so mm. arrival and escape are like mirror images. Yeah. Whereas, um Volume two is like either the bottom or the top of the curve, depending yeah. on how you look at it.
0: Mm. Cool. Okay. Well, that'll be amazing uh, so when three it.
5: will be. Uh, we will, will have to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope I do. <laughs>
0: cool. All right. Well, let's hear about uh, your highlights of reading in 2022.
5: Absolutely. Uh, so I think everyone you're talking to, I imagine, is talking about solenoid. Uh, and you interviewed the translator, Sean Cotter, uh, which was awesome. So I, I won't belabor Uh, talking about solenoid but it's definitely my book of the year and I I just loved it I was I was completely blown away by it it's like my book of the decade maybe wow uh and it's and it's one of those books where I I feel like as soon as I started reading it uh I felt an immediate kinship with it and I felt like uh Cartarescu just immediately felt like kind of one of my people like one of my
0: Mm.
5: uh, I mean I do feel a kind of ancestral pull toward Eastern Europe but also just one of my uh like, like Pantheon of inner figures who I like talk to in my head Mm. you know and I think there's certain writers who have produced books like individual books that I like but other writers that would put Bruno Schultz in that category definitely Cartaresco in that category who I just relate to in my mind at least just as a figment through their books you know so the book is important but it's more something about the whole way that he sees the world, at least as events by Solanoid just immediately clicked with me and I, I couldn't get enough of it. Mm. So that's def- definitely my book of the year. And it feels like a real event. I mean, at least in our little corner of the internet, it feels like it's really galvanized people. And it's uh, something exciting about seeing how frequently it appears and how excited people are about it. And it's, I don't know, I haven't seen that happen with a truly interesting book in a long time, I think. Mm. So that, yeah. I don't know, its it's been exciting to see that book really catch on. Mm. So that'd be my book of the year. Um, the others are kind of unranked but but it's 10 total Um, so the next one would be operation shylock uh, philip roth which i just loved and found incredibly inventive and i think uh, works with history in terms of its you know take on israel and palestine and and philip roth's like own legend and infamy Mm -hmm. in a really brilliant way Uh, and it's like has a kind of comic but also heavily you know genuine and legitimate seriousness about it that I, I just, I love And I think it might be my favorite Roth, even though I can see why uh, something like American Pastoral is considered more classic, but Operation Shylock is wonderful. Um, next one is Lonesome Dove, uh, Larry McMurtry that I finally got to and I read it on the last trip that my wife and I took before our baby was born, which I feel like is probably a, a ritual or a moment that a lot of people have specific memories of. Um, So, you know, my memory of that trip is very tied to reading Lonesome Dove. And the year before, I traveled with Paul from Wake Island to Archer City, Texas, which is where Larry Larry McMurtry, I think it's where he's from, and it's where he lived most of his life, and he had a bookstore there, and it's where where, um, The Last Picture Show takes place and I think where the movie was shot. Um, So he's, McMurtry's a fascinating figure to me, and, you know, I like people uh, like Mernane, actually, who create an entire universe in their own kind of remote patch of patch of the world. Uh, so McMurtry is definitely one of those figures and Lonesome Dove is, is an amazing book. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. Next one is Hurricane Season by Fernanda Melchor, uh, which I've heard some other people on Beyond the Zero mention uh, as a really intense kind of horrifying Mexican just descent into utter darkness in, in a really amazing way. Um, so that's a great book. Um, next one is 63 Dream Palace, which is a novella by James Purdy, who's kind of a, he's pretty famous, but but still a somewhat unknown American author from the 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe even into the 80s. Uh, and I went to an event in Brooklyn recently for a new biography of him, maybe the, maybe the first biography. And I learned that he lived near me in Brooklyn Heights, and there's this kind of old hotel on the corner that's still there. I don't know if it's still a hotel, but the facade is still there. Um, and the people who wrote the biography said it was kind of an infamous cruising spot during Purdy's era. And he would kind of, you know, was very known in the scene there. And it was very like fertile ground for a lot of his stories, which, uh, you know, deal with a kind of like American gay underground of the, yeah, you know, the pre AIDS era and 63 dream palace, I, I think is probably his best story and, and his most substantial, although I haven't read his novel. So that that's a project maybe for next year. Okay, the next one is Motor Spirit by Jarrett Kobeck, uh, which is kind of an account of the age of the Zodiac Killer. So, Jarrett Kobeck often writes these kind of hybrid, like you could call them like nonfiction novels. Like, Like they're heavily researched, and I think they're factually correct. At least, you know, he vouches for their accuracy, but they're written like novels. And this year he wrote or he published two books about the Zodiac Killer, one of which is more of a procedural book called How to Find Zodiac, in which he claims he's <laughs> found the Zodiac killer. He claims he solved the case, mm-hmm. which is interesting from it from a true crime perspective. But I think the other one, Motor Spirit, which is more about the era of the Zodiac, like the late sixties and seventies in the Bay Area and and in San Francisco proper, um, that book to me is you know I I like cultural history more than true crime. So for me, uh, Motor Spirit is just an amazing book about you know the West Coast in that. Um, transitional moment, uh, I would say, between sort of the swinging 60s and then like the Nixon era of the of the 70s. Mm. Okay, so the next one is The Gospel Singer, which is a novel by Harry Cruz, uh, which may be his first novel, or at least is a very early novel of his, and was reissued by Penguin this year. Uh, so that's cool to see that getting a, you know, being back in print and getting a kind of definitive edition. Um, and he's someone who I've really loved for a long time. And he actually is a character, Harry Cruz himself is a character, in my Dodge City books, there's like a Harry Cruz effigy who shows up at various moments and uh, jo- joins in the fun. So I really like Harry Cruz and uh, the gospel singer, you know, he, his world of sort of grotesque, like sideshows and just this very heavy and like gruesome Southern, you know, you could call it Southern Gothic, but but it's a particular flavor of it that he's a real master of. So I really enjoyed that book. Um, and there's a memoir of his called Childhood that I also picked up in in one of those new Penguin editions that I haven't read yet, but I would put that on my 2023 list. Okay, the next one is A Scanner Darkly by Philip K. Dick, which I had never read before. And I read that one on my last solo trip before the baby was born. I went to do a, a reading and discussion in L.A., and I rented a kind of deliberately like rundown, kind of seedy Airbnb, and like I wanted to sort of have my last like kind of drifter cell to to live in before before traveling as a family, you know, and it and, uh, I don't know, somehow, that feeling of just like being alone in a kind of rundown room on the edges of a city is is a very evocative state for me. So I tried to inhabit that state. and um, and I read acannder Darkly when I was there, which is about, you know, being down and out in in Southern California. And I, I often try to read books that are either actually set in the place where I'm going or that somehow, Express what seems like a relevant spirit to that place, um, and so you know the the way that Philip K. Dick understood the sort of romance, but also just like utter spiritual decay of of California, is is very attractive to me, and and I think he really expressed something very true, especially in that book because it's his most autobiographical, I think, at least until his later, you know, visionary books are autobiographical in a different sense. Okay, so the last two are um, A Strangeness in My Mind by Orhan Pamuk. Uh, So Istanbul, you know, a lot of his books take place in Istanbul, including this one. And Istanbul is another place that's been very important to me. And I spent a reasonable amount of time there in my 20s. And also, you know, it's seedy in its own way. And it informed my sense of seediness and uh, and grandeur and beauty and history. Uh, And I think Pamuk is a real masterful chronicler of of like every level of Istanbul. Uh, And A Strangeness in My Mind is... You know, It's almost like, a, it's not quite fair to call him a Forrest Gump character, but it's about this kind of like everyman character who history seems to just happen to, or this kind of character who's wrapped up in Turkish history from like the 60s until, almost until today. Uh, you know, And he's just this sort of humble, like regular kind of guy, but you see the history of the city and the history of Turkey through him in a really interesting way. And I thought also the idea of a strangeness in my mind resonated with me a lot as i've adjusted to being a father because i feel like the you know you have so many more external responsibilities and the pressure to be kind of normal externally is so much higher that you almost as a countermeasure have an equal responsibility to become even stranger in your mind (laughs) and to preserve (laughs) the idea of an internal strangeness and just you know it doesn't even have to be strangeness but just like an internal space in which you're still just thinking your own thoughts and kind of like still existing as a solitary wanderer in the world because you're not that in the outside world and and you can't be that and you shouldn't be that anymore. Uh, but the idea of this character and you know wandering the outskirts of Istanbul in the middle of the night, th- you know, just thinking whatever he wants to think, uh, spoke to me a lot in this moment. So I, you know, and I think it's a great novel in particular, but I had that particular connection to it, uh, reading it at this moment in my life. And then the last one on the list is, is called The Black Maybe, which is a collection of Hungarian weird horror tales by an author named Attila Veres, or Veres, uh, that's just been translated and published by Valencourt Books, which has done a lot of really interesting uh, either republications or translations, actually including some James Purdy novels. And they republished The Tenant, which I, I think we talked about last time. Yeah. In uh, this book of Hungarian tales is just great. You know, every October... I try to read a number of horror collections leading up to Halloween and you know see what I can discover. And I would say this year that that collection, the Black Maybe was was a highlight and feels like a very new kind of kind of voice. And yeah, other than Kreston Horkai and um, Magda Sabo, I don't know very much about um Hungarian fiction, but but this author is, is super interesting. I mean he's great. Uh, yeah. So so those would be my top ten of twenty twenty-two. And then, should I do my most anticipated yeah, for 23? please do. Okay, so for 23, actually, I lied, I have one more Hungarian author for 2023, is um, Agelta Kristoff, mm. who I believe has passed trilogy? away. but right, So she wrote the notebook trilogy, which is incredibly fascinating. So I think she is Hungarian, but may have written in French, or I don't know. But anyway, tr- translated into English, the notebook trilogy is great. And I saw that there's a new translation of Another work of hers called The Illiterate that's coming out in 2023. Um, I imagine it's not a new book, but it's a new translation. So I'm excited to check that out. She's someone who I would just read anything by. So I'll definitely be reading that. Um, The next one I've heard a number of people mention this book called Tonio the Infallible, which is a Colombian novel by Evelio Rosero, who I never heard of, but a lot of people recommend this book about a kind of grotesque, like dictator type figure written by his friend. It sounds almost like um, uh, Garcia Marquez, uh, Mm -hmm. the uh, the patriarch or those kinds of stories. So I I always like a good South American dictator book. So that uh, I'll definitely be reading that. Uh, The next one, which actually is probably many people's most anticipated is the shards by uh, who I find incredibly fascinating. I listened to a good amount of the shards on his podcast that he was reading it aloud, as he was writing it, I guess, or maybe right after he'd finished it. Uh, and I liked listening to it, but I'm not a great audiobook listener. Like, I just don't track or I don't, I don't like truly get get the book unless I can see it physically. So I'm really excited to read it. Um, and it's his first book in at least a decade or maybe more. Yeah. I think it's, uh, and I'm sort of happy for him that he's, yeah, right. And I'm happy for him that he's returned to fiction. Like, I've listened to his podcast for many years. And it just seemed like for a number of years, he was very, It's not just that he was bitter and kind of reactionary, which may just be the way he is and fair enough, but it just seemed like he was very, he just seemed blocked or it seemed like there was something he was trying to articulate that he felt wasn't being done by the outside culture. And in my mind, I was like, you need to do it. Like, just write the book that you wish existed. And it seems like finally he's done it. So I'm really happy for him and I'm happy for me because I think it's going to be good. Um, You know, but it seems like he... Uh, was able to actualize whatever he felt was missing from from literary or cinema culture in general so you know I hope it's as good as it sounds and I and I think it will be I'm I'm very excited for it and uh, you know he's he's super interesting and for people who haven't read it I would really highly recommend Lunar Park I think that's a little bit of a sleeper novel of, of Brody analysis but I think it's my favorite I mean I think American Psycho is you know the most classic and I can see why but Lunar Park to me is actually the most ingenious and the most interesting um, so if if you're interested in him and you haven't read Linder Park, like you really should read it. I think it's an amazing book. Uh, And the shard sounds a little bit like that because he's kind of playing with his own legend or his own, you know, infamy in an interesting way. Um, So yeah, I'm very excited for that. Okay. The next one is our share of night by Mariana Enriquez. Uh, And she's an Argentine author who I think in English so far has published a couple collections of short stories that are really amazing. Like she's one of my favorite story writers um, but Our Share of Night is her, I don't know if it's her first novel, but I believe it's her first in English. And it's huge. It's like, I don't know, six or 700 pages um, about like cults and various things also dealing with dictatorships, but in this case in Argentina. Uh, so I'm excited to see what she does with the novel for him, And I imagine it'll be great. Like she, She's very interesting. Okay. The next one is another of those books that everyone's been talking about. Uh, so I had to jump on the bandwagon, but is uh, Septology by John Fosse, who's a Norwegian author. I imagine other people have mentioned him on, on this show, but I guess they just published all seven volumes of this seven-part project in one volume. So I got that and I'm excited to dig in, but I'll have to clear the deck of a few more things first. Okay, the next one is um, A Different Darkness by Luigi Mussolino, which is another uh, weird horror collection published by Valdencourt. And this this guy's an Italian author who seems to also, I don't know how similar or different he is from the Hungarian collection, but I, I bought them both together and they seem to they seem related in a way. So I'm excited to check that one out. Uh, okay, the next one is the Autodidacts by Thomas Kendall, who I know you interviewed, uh, and who also is published by Whiskey Tid and seems seems like an awesome writer. So I'm very excited to check out the Autodidacts and uh, and get in touch with him and talk to him about that. Uh, okay, the next one is The Passenger, the new Cormac McCarthy, which I picked up when it came out, but I haven't read yet. And I know it's gotten kind of mixed reviews, but that seems interesting. Like it, you know, if it's doing something that is giving people pause or or is making them sort of grappling with what it is, that, that seems like, a, you know, worth checking out at the very least and and maybe an incredibly good sign at, at most. So yeah, I'm definitely going to read that as soon as I can. And then the last one is I saw there's a new translation of On the Marble Cliffs by Ernst Jünger that came out, and he's a German author who I think has a kind of checkered history. or was sort of a a fascist and an anti-fascist in various ways during his years. Um, and I looked him up yesterday, and he lived like over a hundred years. He would be like 102 from like the 1890s to the 1990s. So anybody who lived in Germany over that period is interesting. Um, and when I lived in I lived in Germany for a year maybe 15 years ago. And when I was there, someone recommended this book on the marble cliffs uh, and I got it in German and it was exactly marked the next level up. Like I tried to read it and I made just enough progress to feel like I should keep going and just little enough progress to not keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was vanquished. You know, the, the level that my German reached was just beneath on the marble Cliffs. So, so that so to make a bad pun, I almost surmounted the marble cliffs but i didn't um so the fact (laughs) so the fact that it's coming in english now will uh be an admission of defeat but will also mean i'll finally read this book that somebody recommended to me a long time ago and yeah that's kind of what i'm looking forward to most
0: some great things there um by the time you hear this not that you might listen to this part but um mariana Enriquez's translator Megan mcdowell will have been on the program so yes Yes. It's a great, fantastic.
5: Mm. Oh yeah. So you've read it? Yeah. No, really oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Great. Great. You'll yeah. She's it. super interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And my uncle's actually from Argentina. So he kind of lived through those years and wow. you know has plenty to plenty to say about them. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's definitely a, a place that I feel a kind of vicarious connection to, even though I haven't been there. Very cool.
0: All right. Yeah. I shall let you go. And um, thank you so much. Congratulations again.
5: Thank you very much. Yeah. It's a, uh, a whole new phase but it but it's good no and it feels like some there there are plenty of reasons for not doing it but some aspect of life would be incomplete without it like you yeah you know you don't you don't you don't look back you know you you can see that it's an important stage once you've done it that's right yeah awesome um cool thank you happy happy hanukkah happy new year
0: (laughs) yeah thank you you too enjoy and um good luck with finding a new place when you have to move
5: Thank you very much. That'll be the next the next step for sure. The, the next new house. The new the new new house. We'll take a
0: quick break here on Me on the Zero, you're listening to the End of Year Special with Ben and Seth. Do you have a friend who has everything and runs a human rights abusing regime and you can't work out what to get them for Christmas? Why not try getting them sports washing? Guaranteed to make your regime at least fifty percent more palatable. Use promo code bribe FIFA to get your next sporting event for 50% off. Go to sportswashing.com. We're back on the interview special. Let's go over to Dustin Illingworth.
6: Hey, everybody. This is Dustin Illingworth sharing my favorite novel of 2022. Um, and for me, this list begins and ends with one book, and that is Mircea Cartorescu's uh, Solenoid um, from Deep Vellum Press in a Sean Cotter translation. Um, and this was just an absolutely incredible reading experience for me. It's the kind of novel that I wait for. Uh, often fruitlessly, but this year I, I actually found it um, and it is a novel about a, a failed writer um, who tracks his dreams um, and offers this this all at once sort of gritty portrait of um, communist-era Bucharest that's cut through with these very bizarre surrealist scenes um, that he relays um, as if nothing could be more ordinary, um, you know, he finds a a giant girl, for instance, beneath the factory, and, and a, a fellow a teacher st- stretches like Gumby up a set of stairs. And he finds, you know, hives of humanoid larvae beneath the city. Um, these f- incredibly strange occurrences, um, but they are delivered um, quite matter of factly, um, and. It's it's also this tremendously gross novel. It's a complete gross out novel, which I which I love. It it instantly kind of joins the ranks of the all time great body horror um, novels. In that there are lice and the aforementioned larvae and um, you know bones and secretions and glistening organs and it's it's really just a disgusting book in the best possible way. Um, but I think Cartarescu is doing something very interesting with that sort of repulsiveness and he he talks a lot about parasites and so i think his he's drawing a parallel between um these sort of gross overly large parasites and the way that fiction is is sort of parasitic upon the surface of life um and so much like bolaño i think carterescu is at his best at his literary best when he's being um when he's railing against literature or the idea of literature um so anyway i can't recommend it highly enough um go out and get it i have a piece coming out shortly in the new york times which i hope will secure even more readers for it um it's an incredible work i'm just so happy that deep vellum is taking a chance on that kind of a book i feel very very thankful to to be able to read it so, hope you all had a very good reading year in 2022, and I hope you have an even better one uh, next year. Take care. Bye bye.
7: Thanks, Dustin. Let's go to Miette from Whiskey Tit Press. Hi, it's Miette from Whiskey Tit. Isn't it incredible, this world we find ourselves in? It wasn't long ago I would lie awake all night long, anxiously reading about all the horrible things that were sure to plunge the world into total societal collapse. And now, I lie awake all night long, reading about the amazing literature coming out of this wild time. It is impolitic to say, I'm sure, but these are pretty rich times to be alive. There are two projects coming out soon that, if Santa Claus is among your listeners, I would love him to know about. The first is called Suicide, the Autoimmune Disorder of the Psyche, by the great Viki now, and it's out from 1111 Press in March. The second by Dysek Shen and Vicky Now is called Funeral, and it's out from my beloved Kern Press in late January. I am a wilted daisy when it comes to texts that experiment with form without compromising narrative and meaning, and I cannot wait to see what these two books achieve. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll be waiting by my mailbox in case someone out there is sending them to me. Thanks, Miat. Let's hear from Ben Slotkey.
8: Hello, Ben. It's your good friend, Ben Slotke, here with some of my favorite reads of 2022. Oh. These are in no particular order. Uh, let's see. Sarah Grant, The Book of the Most Precious Substance. It's easy for me to say. I really enjoyed that one. City on Fire, Don Wislow was a good one. Uh, Reptile Memoirs by, oh boy, Siljay We'll try that like that. Uh, What else? What else? Uh, Common. Joaquin B. Schmidt. Shifty's Boys. Chris Offit. Uh, Gehring's Gold. Richard O'Rourke. I like that. I think that's about it. The Passenger. Cormac McCarthy. I've said that. The Devil Takes You Home. Gabino Iglesias. I love that. Uh, I just finished this. Self-Portrait with Nothing. By Amy. Pakwatka. I I liked it. Um, What am I looking forward to next year? There's a new Maurizio de Giovanni book out that I'm looking forward to. The second, Cormac McCarthy. Uh, Stella Maris. I don't know what else. I think that's
9: it. Thanks again, and Happy New Year.
0: Thanks, Ben. Let's head over to Dave from Chatting Lit.
9: Hi to Ben, Seth, and Beyond the Zero listeners. It's Dave from Chatting Lit here. Hope you all had a great 2022 in terms of reading, and that next year is even better for you all. In terms of my reading this year, it's been a case of less books read and probably less books that kind of blew me away, but some of my highlights include Hometime Blues by Archie Thorne, which as a fellow teacher I really, really enjoyed, Uh, The Manifold Destiny of Eddie Vegas by Rick Harsh, who has been a guest, of course, on Beyond the Zero, also Any Day You Can Die by Tommy Waite, another Beyond the Zero alumni, uh, whose book I listened to on audiobook and really, really enjoyed. Uh, I'm currently reading and loving Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi, and what's the book called? Um, This Isn't Who I Am by Emily Bootle, which is a collection of essays on the concept of authenticity. Really, really loving that. In terms of uh, books I'm looking forward to reading, the two new Comet McCarthy ones are the main ones. I'm just waiting for the second one to come out, and then I can get stuck into them back to back. So cheers, guys, and Happy New Year when it comes.
0: Thanks, Dave. Let's go to Canada and speak with Sean McCallum. Welcome to the end of year show, Sean McCallum. Thanks so much for joining me.
10: Hey Ben, thanks for having me. Sorry for being so late, messing up the time difference here. Right on brand.
0: <laughs> well, it is it is Canada. It's pretty far away, and the time difference is massive this time of year. So thanks for staying, or thanks for getting up early.
10: Yeah, and thanks for staying up uh, staying up late. Really appreciate it.
0: It's been so gratifying to see your book like everywhere all over the world recently. It's been great.
10: It's, it's been making the rounds. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting thing to see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, every, every country it's getting, you know, I love hearing from readers when they, you know, they'll send a photo of the book from wherever they are, but yeah, I just was sort of adding it up and however many countries it's, it's been to around the world. It's, it's pretty amazing to see. So yeah, obviously a ton of support from, from you and the, the beyond the zero reader. So certainly appreciate it.
0: Well have you dropped any copies off on your recent uh overseas trips because I know you've been going in a couple of holidays?
10: Not yet no it's been sort of all organic now I, I should I should say we're planning to uh visit my wife's family in Peru uh in uh, at the end of December here so we're gonna bring a bunch of copies down to uh down to Peru and, and South America so we'll you know we'll the, uh, the word will continue to spread so but yeah no, know it's been all organic just so people hearing hearing about the book uh, the recalcitrant stuff of life uh, honestly from from folks like you so yeah def- definitely appreciate all the, the love and support here.
0: Brilliant well I need to ask you what is coming up next for Sean McCallum in terms of writing?
10: Yeah well I mean I just uh, it's it, nothing nothing finalized but I've just been you know writing some some stories, uh, non a lot of nonfiction, just about what it's like to uh, to be a parent and uh, to to have some dysfunctional parenting skills, which my wife and I sort of <laughs> that's sort of um, got a long history of dysfunctional parenting in in my family from my dad's side. So um, just sort of compiling some nonfiction stories. So we'll see what comes of that. Not sure if anyone's gonna want to read it, but. Uh, you know, that's uh, just sort of what I'm working on right now. So you know just just trying to capture all the memories and and uh, hopefully it works for for readers out there.
0: Brilliant. All right. well let's get on to your highlights of reading in 2022.
10: All right, well, yeah, so um, you know as far as books that were released in 2022, a lot of I read a lot of great stuff. but I think my favorite book um, I came across through Twitter. Um, by the writer Alex Miller uh, is a book called white people on vacation, which was, was hilarious. It was depressing. It was heartbreaking. Um, Set in Hawaii largely. Um, And it was just, just a great read. And um, I think I put something out there on Twitter. My wife generally does not like the same fiction that I uh, enjoy, but she really loved that book as well. So um, my book of, of, of the year for 2022 uh, was white people on vacation by Alex Miller um, as far as my favorite read of the year, um, and you know, for any book that was released at any time, uh, there were two at the top of the list for me. Um, it was just it was super difficult to choose one, but um, so I'll give you the top two: um, the Topeka School by Ben Lerner. I absolutely love that book. Um, read that this summer, um, and then uh, Underworld by Don DeLillo um which it was just it, it blew me away there's just so much there and, and I loved everything about it so those were the the two highlights for me this year um totally different reads um but uh yeah the Topeka School and uh and Underworld my my two sort of highlights for that for the books of the year here.
0: Brilliant I've got Topeka School on my bookshelf and I still haven't read it but I yeah I'm really looking forward to it when I get to it.
10: Yeah, it's just I mean, he I'm in awe of, of his uh skill as a writer. And then in Ben Lerner, I think he's uh he's about the same age as me. So a lot of those references that he makes really resonate with me. I mean, I feel like he we could have gone to the same high school together. So I'm a little biased there. So um he's just such a, a talented writer. You can't help but just tip your cap at what a phenomenal um artist he is. So yeah, those those were the two the two books for me this year.
0: Brilliant. Have you got some reading plans for 2023?
10: Oh man, well you know I I was hoping that uh, that Seth would still be on here because he's done such a phenomenal job of of talking about uh, some of his favorite reads. So uh, solenoid is one that's definitely on my radar. So we'll see if if the holiday season brings that one for me. So that's that's right at the uh, at the top of my list. Um, so we'll 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 see what. Uh, The next month brings, and and you know, see if we can get that one under the uh, under the tree. But that's that's what I'm really looking forward to.
0: Cool. All right, Santa Claus, you've heard this now. You need to get Sean a copy of Solenoid. (laughs)
10: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Any other books coming up that you're looking forward to? Um.
10: Uh. You know, that's probably the top. I know David Keenan. uh, I I've, I've not been able to get my hands on on any of his work, so that's uh you know um the industry of light of magic i know we were talking before that's one i'd love to i'd love to read so um but yeah nothing nothing that's uh really jumping out i just sort of take them as they come and whatever i can come across that's uh that's what i'm gonna that's what i'm gonna be reading so so um that's that's about it for me for now
0: brilliant well uh listen to this because there will be several good recommendations for 2023
10: i suspect I yeah honestly I, I do have to say all of the the books that I've come across uh, this year, uh, so many of them have have come from your recommendations and, and your writers. So um, I should say I'm uh, I'm halfway through Meiselman right now. The uh, the Lean Years yes. yeah has been, phenomenal. it's just that book is hilarious. The uh, the main character, as you know, is I just I can't take I can't turn away. It's like a it's like a car crash. So you know, <laughs> so, so despicable I can't I can't help but love them. So. Um, absolutely loving that one by, by Avner.
0: Yeah, he's great. He was on here earlier. Um, yeah, he's, he's a great guy.
10: Yeah. Oh, great. Awesome.
0: Cool. All All right. right, I'll let you go. Have a lovely Christmas with your children and, um, yeah, enjoy and have a great new year.
10: Yeah. All the best to uh, you and your family uh, this holiday and really appreciate all the support from uh, beyond the zero here. So thanks, Ben. I truly appreciate it.
6: You're listening to the end of year special with Ben, Seth, and Ada. We will be back after the break. Mm-hmm. Beyond the Zero. This is the end of year special with Ben, Seth, and Ada.
0: All right, shall we move on to Julie at Julie Michelle Reads?
11: Yes, we shall.
12: Okay, this is a little hard to nail down, so I'm actually not going to select a lot of books as far as um, my favorites over the year. So over the year, I read two that just like immediately stick out to my mind above all the others I've read. And the first one being Infinite Jest. It took me three months to get through from beginning to end. I So I spent a lot of time with that book. Really felt like I got to know the characters in the book really well. Um, I just fell in love with David Foster Wallace's um, writing immediately, was just loving it, Um, and just the themes in the book were some of the most interesting, I think, to read about and and talk about, and I think the way that it was written, it was written in such a thoughtful, insightful, and observant way, Um, and and almost on a quiet way, despite the book being so long, and and maybe difficult in in a way. Um, The other book that sticks out to me is a book I just finished today. Um, It's called Under the Volcano by an author named Malcolm Lowry, and it is the most, some of the most riveting writing I've ever read, (laughs) Um, and I think what I like the most about his writing specifically is how intentional he is with his words. Um, even, like, the, the moments when you're having to, to read, you know, a drunken person speak and hear their incoherent kind of thoughts was written, like, very poetically and beautifully and, but also realistically, not like, I don't know, not some fluential, high fluenta way of speaking that doesn't make sense, I guess. Um, It all made sense. (laughs) Anyways, there's just a lot of themes. I think something that I think needs to be talked a lot more about the book is the spiritual, biblical themes, and um, just the loss. I think there's a lot of, like, loss in the book with a lot of the the main characters. Um, It's dark. (laughs) It is... Um, soul crushing maybe is a good way to kind of put the book, but I I loved it. I thought it was, yeah, some of the most amazing writing ever, um, books I'm looking forward to in the next year. I'm actually really looking forward to the recognitions. I started it simultaneously this year with Infinite Jest, got about halfway through with both and realized I just can't do it anymore. (laughs) So I had to cut my losses with one of them and the recognitions was the one where I was in the middle of the book, I was kind of uh, having a more difficult time with it. So I ended up going with the Infinite Jest this year. But with that being said, I am going to restart it and really focus on it for the month of January. And I'm I'm looking forward to just getting back into it, finished actually completing it. And I just have heard so many great things about the book. and. A lot of people whose book taste I love and respect just um, seem to put it in their favorite books of all time. So um, yeah, can't go wrong with that. Um, and then the other one is this one I'm kind of taking a gamble on. It's called The Instructions. Um, I actually don't even own it yet. I will be getting it for Christmas and I'm going to be reading it with a friend of mine and we're just going to take our time with it. Um, trying to finish it maybe in two months but we'll see kind of I'm gonna leave that flexible and open too um yeah and then I think this year and next year in general there's a lot of books I'm looking forward to but I think those two and then I guess if I were to add one more The Pale King only because I'm just excited to get into a big fat juicy David Foster Wallace book once again so anyways Merry Christmas hope everyone has a great new year thanks
0: so Julie, wow, Infinite Jest. So it's a good good start to your year, I suppose, of <laughs> reads, isn't it? It's a big book. Um, what can we
11: possibly say about that? That hasn't been said already.
0: That's right. Under Volcano, brilliant. We know about that. Looking forward to the recognitions. Great choice as well.
11: So I was talking to-, to her. She actually started it earlier this year, yeah. um, but then was parallel reading it with Infinite Jest and the latter took over, Yeah, which I could see why that ha- may happen to yeah. someone. Um, but I do hope, Julie, if you do listen to this, that you do see the recognitions through to the end, because that is a truly incredible novel.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, who do we have next?
11: So the next one we have is Sophie from Golden Hour Books. She's another Sydney cider who was out and about today and didn't have time to call in, but she did send us a brief list. And so I thought. If you'll indulge me, I could read it on her behalf here. Please do. Absolutely. She sent it to me in an email titled, just remember you asked for this, which should give you a uh, an indication of what you're in for. So uh, favorite reads of 2022 with a brief annotation that she included on each night bitch by Rachel Yoder. <laughs> Motherhood is insane, but it's not shit. Love it. <laughs> uh, Master and the Margarita by Bulgakov. You end up reading the book upside down to make sense of it. Which, yeah, I'd say that tracks. Uh, Pew by Katherine Lacey, a humor I can't quite put my finger on but would like more of. I really enjoyed Pew. It's got a weird atmospheric creepiness to it. Um, I think more people should make time for it. The Pumpkin Eater by Penelope Mortimer, sharp and juicy. <laughs> uh, I love this description of Rachel Cusk saving Agnes, the foie gras of the book world. <laughs> Sold.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh,
11: Lincoln on the Bardo by Saunders, wonderful, wacky, and just so Saunders. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, now we've got to test on my pronunciation. Sightseeing by Radawatt lapsher Um You know. Well, hopefully I got that right. Uh, (laughs) Touching and does something different to anything I've read before. Not a name I'm actually familiar with. um, So that's worth checking out. Mm. Giovanni's Room by Baldwin. I found this at a little free library the other day. Uh, She says, it's Baldwin, it's Paris, it's love, it's madness. How could you not? Uh, Department of Speculation by Jenny Ophel. Plenty of yes, that's exactly how you describe it. Moments. Mm. Uh, and then finishing off with Maglu by Otessa Moshfag. It's trim and brutal paired beautifully with a 21 year old age scotch. Sounds um, good. That would be the only Moshfag I haven't read yet. So need okay. to make time for it. And then in 2023, she's looking forward, G- forward to Jean Reese's collected short stories. George Orwell, some thoughts on the common toad. Barbara Kingsolver's Demon Copperhead. Tony Morrison, Sula, and Edward St. Aubins. Nevermind. that has got to be a bass fiction pick. I know it is. <laughs> um, that is everything from Sophie. Thanks for sending your list in to us.
0: Brilliant. All right, let's get on to Daniel from Electric Sheep Books and the Halong Project as well. But Seth, do you want to tell me just quickly a bit more about the Halong Project? Because I know you've 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 read some of that. I haven't yet.
11: Yeah, I've got the first volume on my shelf here. Uh, Mm. Basically, I mean, this is probably an episode unto itself. We should probably get Daniel on the show to talk about Mm. it. But as I understand it, he was looking to create a platform to help elevate the voices of the just interesting and perceptive writers who are uh, in the digital literary discourse, the kind of bookstagram people and the book Twitter people. And so he created a, I'm not really sure what we would call it. It's sort of a periodical where mm-hmm. um, various members of the community, a number of people who you've had on the show as well. Travis is one that comes to mind. Uh, Chris Robinson. I know Phil Friedenberg is coming up in the upcoming issue, as is George Salas and Carl, who called in earlier. It's basically a place for all the people who, to congregate, share their work and he remunerates them for it they get paid publications so i think it's a a great place for people to launch their literary careers and there's some really remarkable talents in there like you should pick up one of these Mm. one of these issues because they're fantastic
13: brilliant okay well let's hear his favorite reads from 2022 Howdy, howdy. This is Daniel from Electric Sheet Books, and also I'm the founder of the Holon Project, which is a literary publication specializing in works by the wonderful people in our book community. So if you're a reader or a writer and want to check it out, go to our website, the Holon, which is H O L O N project.com, and all the information will be on there if you would like to submit. I would love to have a read, and if you would like to support a uh, local author in our community uh, there's some books on there you can purchase as well now getting into the standouts of 2022 i got um, the broom of the system by david foster wallace i mean what can i say it's dfw there it was fantastic and also one that i read last week the infant king by george solace i think this is probably the best short story i've ever read and it was in a uh, review journal Uh, The Golden Handcuffs Review, number 32, I believe. It's actually a piece from his upcoming Maximalist novel, Morphological Echoes, that I am eagerly awaiting and will consume it as soon as it is released. So you should definitely check that out. And also, standouts in the booktube community is the Sherrod's Tube, is amazing content there, and also Seth at Waste Mailing List. Fantastic videos that I recommend y'all check out. And what I'm looking forward to next year would be some more John Copper Pals. I read his A Glastonbury Romance last year, and it was absolutely the best uh, literary reading experience of my life. And... The more I think about it, he could very well be the best writer of all time. Um, it's just it, the book has stayed with me and probably will always stay with me. So I highly recommend you checking him out. And I'm looking forward to some more Volman. Specifically, You Bright and Risen Angels and more of his videos and interviews online. I uh, just enjoy watching him and hearing him speak. He's just a really fascinating human being. Um, And I think that about wraps it up. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, guys. Looking forward to uh, consuming more of your podcast. And I hope you all have a wonderful and blessed rest of your year and holidays.
0: Room of the System by David Foster Wallace, of course, which is a really fun book. The Infinite King by George Salas. I have not read this, but it sounds amazing. Short story.
11: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. You read his um, Sea Above, Sun Below?
0: Yeah, I have. I read that ages ago. It is probably um, when
11: because he was one of the first guests you had on the show, right?
0: He was pretty early on, yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, his massive novel when that comes out in the next I don't know how long <laughs> we should have asked him to come on, but, um, when that does come out, it'll be amazing. I'm sure it sounds unbelievable.
11: Morphological echoes. Last I checked yeah. in with him, I think it was at like 400,000 words or something. It's going to be huge,
0: yeah. I don't know how it's going to fit anywhere, so we'll see. Looking forward to in 2023, John. Copper Poles. I don't know who this person is. I don't know um, who
11: this person is either.
0: Yeah. So we'll find out. Read a Glastonbury romance last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will take your word for it. And You Brighten Risen Angels by Volman. So which, you know, you obviously know quite a lot about. I know that the Volmania people did a great video on it as well. But do you want what to, what what are your thoughts on You Brighten Risen Angels?
11: Uh, I think it's a book that I would recommend to a very particular person. I Mm. think to that person they will absolutely fall in love with it, but that is not a large swath of the population. I love Mm. it to bits. It was my gateway drug to Volman. And I completely understand why a large chunk of people would throw it across the room 50 pages in because (laughs) it is hostile to the reader. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, But absolutely worth seeing through to the end.
0: Brilliant. Cool. Okay. Let's go to Kevin Adams from HV Book Nerd from Poughkeepsie in New York. Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. Okay.
5: You got it.
11: We got
0: there.
5: Okay. Hey, Ben and Seth, Kevin Adams here calling from Poughkeepsie, New York. I go with the Hudson Valley Book Nerd on Instagram. Congratulations on another terrific year. From all of us book lovers, thank you. I especially love the episode with Sean Carter. I loved hearing translators speak about their work. Will you be interviewing more next year, Ben? Uh, thanks so much for the logos and Ezra Moss. Those are two books, and I'm certain I wouldn't have found with either, without either of you. Um, ben, Seth, have you read the Rodrigo Frazan and the part trilogy? The remembered part, the last of the trilogy, was released earlier in the year and is by far one of my three favorite books that I read this year. Keep up the great work, and thanks from all of us book nerds. Oh, and if you can convince Seth to lead all of us on a group read of Antagony in the coming year, Ben, I think that would be super. All the best, Ben and Seth.
11: Take care. So let me be the first to say, we do not deserve Kevin Adams. This guy is just a truly beautiful soul. He is a beacon of positivity in a social media medium that is generally not conducive to that sort of thing. I've got nothing but love for this guy. Um, I don't know if you've talked to him before, but he's just so pleasant and so enthusiastic. And the guy reads like an absolute tank, like his monthly wrap ups are always like, eight or nine thousand page novels I do not know how he does it but he's got Mm. excellent taste and he reads a lot Mm. he wanted to know um as we just heard are you planning on interviewing more translators in the coming year
0: I've absolutely loved interviewing translators because they just have such a great take on on books and reading and writing Mm -hmm. um everyone I've spoken to who translates they all seem to have different perspectives on it and different things that make translation good or you know how they do translation even like the getting down to like the technical parts of it where different uh houses have translating styles like they have like a house style you have to copy like I find it I find it just fascinating so absolutely love to have more translators on yes they're they're I'm sure you've had quite a heap on so far, but yes, I plan to have lots more. There are quite a few books coming out next year that are not in English um, that will be translated into English next year. So yeah, stay tuned. There should be lots of them.
11: Just on that note of translation, when I was talking to Sean Cotter a little while back, he described his process of translating Carterescu. or rather he said, well, one of the challenges isn't on the word-by-word basis, but mm. trying to take control of the way that a sentence dispenses information. Mm. And I just thought that was a really interesting way. Like you said, he pulled the, the phrasing there from Susan Bernofsky, um, who I think does Volzer's work as Memory Serves. But it, I thought it was a great way of looking at translation. He's mm. an incredible adapter into English and I love his work in particular.
0: Yes, the Sean Carter episode that we had on, I think was just one of my favorite so good as well. he's
11: such a nice guy isn't he
0: yeah he's just amazing and that book um i'm sure we'll talk about it later because i know oh, it's am sure both of our lists um but yeah it's just a, an outstanding piece of work
11: so from kevin's highlight reads um i mean he's pretty much preaching to the choir here with the logos mm-hmm. and ezra maz here right mark De silva and daniel james uh both guests of the show mm-hmm. um and soon to be both guests of My Little Thing as well. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, mate, that's that's an easy sell. He did want to know if we've read um Rodrigo Frasson, the parts trilogy. I, I haven't, haven't, but I've had all three sitting <laughs> in my booktopia cart for like yeah. the last three months and I keep threatening to buy them. So I just yeah. need to buck up and do it.
0: Exactly. So I've read the first one and I absolutely loved it. It's been something I've been waiting for to buy. But the prices to get it here at the moment are mental. Like it seems to be like for both the second two volumes, they're like seventy bucks each most places. So I'm waiting for a copy, to you know, to to be able to afford it. But um, I cannot wait to read it. So it is. It's been in and out of my shopping cart for quite a long time now. So yes, but the first one is brilliant, and I can't wait for the next two. Exactly. And I
11: do want to address Kevin's last note about the antagony group read. Mm. Uh, mate, if you are insisting on it, considering it was going to be the very first thing that I start reading the second I land back in Australia in January, I'll tell you what, yeah, I'm in. Uh, second week of January, anyone who wants to group read Antagony by Luis Goita Solo, translated by Brendan Riley, with Kevin and I, give me a holler on any one of the number of places where I exist on the internet.
0: Brilliant. All right. Well, we did mention, strangely, we mentioned uh, Daniel James there. We actually have a caller now, and it's the Mass Foundation.
14: Good evening, Ben. Good evening, Seth. Your promotion of the unauthorized biography of Ezra Mass by Daniel James has caused the Mass Foundation some considerable trouble. We are rectifying the trouble by buying up all of the available copies and having them popped. If you have a copy, we'll be coming to your door. Expect a knock. Merry Christmas. See you soon,
13: motherfuckers.
11: <laughs> well, uh, always the classy sign off from the Mass Foundation.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Mass Foundation, for calling in. Merry Christmas to you too.
11: Um, they're yes. uh, they're not going to like where I hid mine. Uh, <laughs> That's for me to know and uh, Helena Mass to find out.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. I wonder if Daniel will call in at some point as well. We'll find out if he's alive. We'll see. Yeah.
11: Cool. All right. Next up, we have Bradley Clacy from Black Books Melbourne, the phenomenal bookseller. And they sent in a voice message talking about some of the things they read in 2022 and what they're looking forward to next year.
14: Hey, this is B. Clacy. Seth asked me to send in a voice memo of my favorite books I read this year. So here goes. My top two favorite books were Clarice Lispector's A Breath of Life which is simply one of the greatest reading experiences I've ever had. It's an anti-novel consisting of metaphysical abstractions about life and death, which Lispector pretty much wrote on her deathbed. My other favourite was the queer classic Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg. Now this one doesn't have the purpley prose for language that many of you seem to prefer, but if you give it a chance you'll find a book filled with so much pain and tenderness, and told with such open vulnerability that it's just one of the most beautiful books about queer experience and basically being a decent human being. It's a quintessential queer classic, but also one I consider as an unrecognised exemplary area of new sincerity. Some other books I thoroughly enjoyed this year were Larry Mitchell's cult queer classic from the 70s, The Faggot and Their Friends Between Revolutions, Maggie Nelson's The Argonauts, Kandinsky's Concerning the Spiritual in Art, and Luigi Pirandello's wonderful century-year-old exploration of identity entitled One, No One, and One Hundred Thousand. If, al- if you're after substance in books, then look no further. As for next year, I don't, ha- I don't ever have high expectations of anyone, but I'm-, I'm really looking forward to finally getting around to Audre Lord. From what I've sampled of her poetry and prose, it seems like the exact kind of politically woke and pre- progressive works I'm after.
0: Cool. Okay, we have Clarice Lispector again. Clarice is getting a lot of love tonight which is great
11: as she deservedly deserves boy I didn't think that sentence through I want to hone in on one here actually in their honorable mentions which was uh Luigi Pirandello's one no one and one hundred thousand so i had never heard of this um but after they sent that voice message in I just took a little gander at it. and it sounds absolutely fascinating it sounds like a weird sort of darkly comedic take on uh, sort of like Nikolai Gogol's The Nose mm. which I suppose is darkly comedic in its own way right. um, but just for those who haven't heard it I pulled up a little descriptor here that I read uh, it says the narrator loses his reality when his wife informs him that his nose tilts to the right and suddenly he realizes that for others I was not what till now privately I had imagined myself to be and that consequently his identity is evanescent, based purely on the shifting perceptions of those around him. Thus he's simultaneously without a self, no one, and the theater of myriad selves, 100,000. In a crazed search for an identity independent of other preconceptions, the narrator careens from one disaster to the next and finds his freedom even as he is declared insane. That just sounds absolutely fascinating, like one of those just haunting psychological portraits. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm desperate to get my hands on that. I did not know it this morning, and now I want it badly. So, Bradley, really appreciate your um, out-of-left-field suggestions, if I do say so myself.
0: Like you, I've never heard of it, but it sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. All right, shall we move on to Maddie Markwood, who is from the Obliterature,
11: The uh, Obliterature himself. Love it. Let's hear what he's going to say.
15: Greetings, Ben and Seth, my literary friends from Down Under. This is Maddie, also known as The Obliterature on Instagram and everywhere else that matters. Um, You guys asked me to record this, telling you about my favorite reads from 2022. I've got a list of about 10 that I really enjoyed reading. This uh, past year, the first was Fathers and Crows by William T. Vollman. The next one would be Messiah of Stockholm by Cynthia Ozick. The New York Trilogy by Paul Oster. Omen Setter's Luck by William Gass. Wittgenstein's Mistress by David Markson. Savage Detectives by Roberto Bellano. Universal Baseball Association Incorporated by Robert Coover Letters by John Barth and Valis by Philip K. Dick. My final read that I'm going to list that was my absolute favorite this year was actually A Frolic of His Own by William Gaddis. That was the funniest, most I don't even know how to describe it. Sublime book I have read all year. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Dahlgren by Samuel Delaney. I have not finished it yet. I started it a little, about a few weeks ago, and I'm about halfway through now, but I can already tell it's gonna be a favorite from this year, so that counts as well, I guess. Um, in terms of books I look forward to reading in the coming year, uh, Ada or Ardor by Vladimir Nabokov. That will be high on my priority list to read soon. Uh, Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates I guess I'm just uh, giving into the hype uh, surrounding the controversial film adaptation so I really want to read the book before I end up watching that but yeah that's something I want to get in on Uh, a couple other things that I want to get in on just non-specifically I want to finish Volman's prostitution trilogy I uh, read Horrors for Gloria a little while back and really enjoyed it, but have not gotten into the the deeper, thicker volumes of that trilogy. Um, next up on my priority list would be to finish Robert Coover's novels and his short fiction. I have currently on order and shipped to me, but not quite here yet, the rest of his novels and short fiction that I have not collected yet so I look forward to reading those um, I'll probably be reading more Nabokov and Paul Auster and Angela Carter this coming year because I really love them and want to get deeper into their bibliographies um, Corbin McCarthy's The Passager and Stella Maris* that is something I also want to read in the eventual in the eventuality does that make sense it doesn't But whatever. Eventually, I'd like to read those two. Um, Finally, I want to kind of break into Alexander Thoreau and Joseph McElroy. I did read Ancient History by Joseph McElroy a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't really crazy about it, but I want to get deeper into his bibliography before I really make a a solid judgment about whether or not I like his work. So that's about it. Um, I'm not sure what else to say except uh good job ben on beyond the zero i've been really enjoying it and to seth your waste mailing list videos are always a pleasure to watch um i look forward to more years of the content you both produce peace
0: there are too many good books in this list i don't even know what to start on honestly can you pick okay let's try pick a bad one Try pick one bad book in that
11: list. One bad book.
0: I can't pick one. That's it. I can't.
11: I got. I got nothing here. Um, yeah. This is a lot of heavy hitters. Uh, Fathers and Crows. Oster. Gas. David Mitchell. We got Bolaño, Barth. Philip K. Dick. Nabokov. All right. Weirdly, on the looking forward for twenty twenty three, I also want to read Blonde after watching that bizarre film. It's I don't a know. Strange why... film, isn't it? Ah, it's, I don't really know what to make of it, mm. but just after all this discourse dusted everyone up on various social media channels, I'm kind of like weirdly interested in reading it now.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, um, it definitely got me very intrigued. So I haven't bought it or anything like that, but I am intrigued.
11: All right. We've got an absolute doozy here <laughs> calling in from the unified field. Also known as Buffalo, New York, we have the <laughs> inimitable Philip Friedenberg, author of the longest title I have ever heard: America and the Cult of the Cactus Boots, a diagnostic, absolutely phenomenal novel, illustrated by Jeff. Jeff Walton. Walton. Yes. Um let's hear. It. Let's hear what he has to say.
0: Let's hear it. All right. We'll see you in about half an hour.
16: Good evening, Ben and Seth. Ben from Beyond the Zero, and Seth uh, Waste mailing list. Um, This is uh, Philip Friedenberg, the author of America and the Cult of the Cactus Boots, a diagnostic, reporting in on November 26 at 8.37 p.m. from some far reaches of the unified field. I just wanted to first take a moment to thank the Both of you. I have a profound amount of respect uh, and gratitude for both of you for all that you do. You have each, in your own unique, constructive, positive way, contributed a profound amount of inspiration to me uh, as a reader and as an author, and enriching my access to not only new literature but also a world of books that I otherwise may not have ever known if it weren't for the two of you. And it is a challenge and sometimes a pursuit full of um, obstacles, synchronicity, and chance that we're able to all come together for the reasons that we do in this community. And without people like the two of you, It would be much more difficult, and it's with the highest honor that I am able to share some books with you as well as the listeners uh, of the community tonight that have, A, been uh, the most interesting and inspiring, remarkable books for me in my reading journey over the past year, and then I'll also try to touch on a few books that I'm looking forward to read in the coming year, and if I'm able to achieve this Uh, In any sense of uh, time, uh, it'll be a remarkable achievement. But what I'm going to try to do here for you, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me to do so, is just share for you by uh, author and title books that have moved me this year. And what I hope that this does is it shares with listeners uh, some insight into possible Uh, exciting avenues for uh, readers to pursue if they haven't already with some books that have been meaningful to me and to not allow this recording to sprawl into something that could be considered uh, a multi-hour meditation on literature what I'll try to refrain from doing is outlining the reasons that these books have been so meaningful to me. Uh, If anything, I'll try to just give a brief uh, outline of what's been important. Otherwise, I'll try to just leave it to a referential uh, mile marker somewhere within the collective reading consciousness of the unified field of things that have been meaningful to me by author and title. And doing so, I will start with the most monumental reading experience of my 2022 was the discovery of Louis Armand's The Combinations. The Combinations was the most important singular work of fiction that I read in 2022 that moved me in a way as a reader that let me know that the boundaries of the potential of fiction are um, infinite in the possibility of what an art form can achieve. So Louis Armand's The Combinations was the singular best book and most impactful for me as a reader and author that I read in 2022, and I also went on to read about uh, 12 other Louis Armand books this year, but let's just say the combinations is one of them. Uh, Moving in order just through the list, Thomas the Obscure by Maurice Blanchot, one of the greatest works of metafiction I can recall. Uh, that was a high recommendation to me uh, from Chris via, and the book uh, absolutely changed me in countless ways. A work of critical theory that was invaluable to me was a book uh, by an author whose last name is Miss Dahl. It's a work of critical theory titled Time and Vision Machines in Thomas Pynchon's novels. Uh, Interesting, fascinating look at how time and visual technologies in Pynchon's work um, affect uh, his writing. uh, And it's a phenomenal book. I highly recommend it to anyone. What's unique about this book, too, is it's published by Peter Lang, which a longer story is that uh, Peter Lang is the publisher that originally academic publisher that re- first put out, um, David Lee Miller's, uh, the philosophy of creativity, which we were lucky enough to, uh, put out a new edition of this year with Corona Uh, wonderful book. Uh, next, um, <clears throat> Adam Levin's Mount Chicago, uh, absolutely tremendous book. Uh, Levin, uh, in many ways, was a a keystone author for me with his debut novel, The Instructions, that I first read in 2010 when I was first thinking of writing novels, uh, who kind of showed me that the boundaries of uh, the novel could be pushed into directions that I could have never have previously imagined prior to reading that book. Another book that I read in 2022 that unquestionably as a reader and a writer expanded my perception uh, and conviction that the novel is far from dead is the achievement of uh, Mark De Silva's The Logos. The Logos is an absolutely extraordinary novel that I highly recommend everybody read. Uh, another book that uh, moved me was Hidden Camera by Zorin Zorin. Zivokovic, and this is a Dalkey release. Uh, incredible book. Also, <clears throat> a book that in many ways changed my position in relationship to text structure and literary theory was the discovery of uh, Madeleine Gins, And Many times, when we're looking for new books and we're looking to make discoveries, it's oftentimes the case that <clears throat> the books that we find have fallen out of print or are difficult to access. This was very much the case with Madeline Gins. However, there was a wonderful edition uh, published by Siglio Press with a remarkable introduction um, by Lucy Ives. And this book is the saddest thing, is that I have had to use words. A Madeline Ginn's Reader, this is a book that I recommend to anyone that's interested in experimental literary structure uh, explore and enjoy. It, it has the potential to change your outlook on uh, what um, text structure is. The possible of in terms of an art form in changing the way we use words to communicate. Another book that falls neatly in that category as well, by another extraordinary female author, is uh, Hannah Weiner's Open House. Um, Please find this book and read it if you can. Um, Weiner existed in New York City, who was a uh, artist and uh, lingerie designer and fellow cohort of Philip Glass, and she's written some extraordinary experimental poetry that is very much worth a look. Another book that I read over and over again is Buy One, Get One Free, which is Poems by Mark A. Douglas, an extraordinary work of poetry that I highly recommend. Uh, Another wonderful discovery that I came across through the Instagram book community is a novel called Torn Veil by an author named Gregory R. Marshall, uh, which explores um, uh, the far reaches of a sort of nefarious uh, conspiratorial uh, plot that is a book that I have argued uh, in many ways puts literature back on the map in terms of an entertainment form that rivals the potential of cinema, and that's a very high statement that I can make uh moving on, I also really loved in the Land of Men by Adrian Miller, which is a nonfiction memoir. Uh, that looks at a critical view of the lens of the patriarchal hierarchy of modern American publishing, as well as outlines a very unique and intimate uh, portrait of a relationship with author David Foster Wallace that the author uh, held and writes about. So it's a very good memoir. Another book that's radical and deserving of a very wide readership is William M. Brandon III's The Exile, The Matriarch, and the Flood. This is a dangerous and powerful book that everybody should read that questions the underpinnings of the hegemonic dominant power structures and puts it into a uh, uh, wild and exciting narrative That makes books exciting again So that's a from Spaceboy Books A wonderful uh, book that everybody should check out Also, The Rat Veda by James Chapman Just read it Also, in terms of uh, continued exploration Of my uh, interest in neuroscience and psychology A book... Uh, That explores the neurological basis of consciousness that's worth reading within the non-material versus the material dialectic of consciousness is a book by Bernard J. Bars, which is called In the Theater of Consciousness, The Workspace of the Mind. A very interesting and informative book. I've also... uh, experimented with a deep dive into the Dadaist literature of Tristan Zara and the Seven Dadaist Manifestos and the diaries is a remarkable book that in many ways shakes up our view of what the function of art and poetry and literature uh, within the civilization does over the course of a hundred years. A wonderful book. Also, Moving forward, Tex Gresham's This is a uh, Strange June is a wonderful book of poetry. Tex Gresham is the author of a book called Sunflower, and he's a friend of mine. And I read his book of poetry in Hawaii, and it is wonderful, and I suggest you read Tex's work. Um, And also while I'm speaking to a potentially uh, significant Australian audience here through a time travel initiative unknown to the Total Information Control Initiative, um, I discovered a book by an author who's Australian named Alexander Michael. And the book is titled Everything is Summer, and it is such a wonderful work of fiction that explores fantasy and language and literature in a way that is just uh, stunning. <clears throat> and uh, it's a book I fell in love with. Another experimental work uh, that I really enjoyed in 2022 is Walter Abish's Alphabetical Africa. Next, I was stunned and moved and inspired by a wonderful book that is a result of the power of our community to connect and share around inspiring works of fiction that push the boundaries uh, yet again of what it is that the novel tries to achieve. And I was mesmerized by the unauthorized biography of Ezra Moss, by a wonderful artist and friend named Daniel James. And if you haven't had the opportunity yet to read that book, I highly uh push you to do that because there's uh beautiful things happening within that book as it relates to counterculture information and uh, hierarchies of control and it's very beautiful. It's very beautifully written lastly to sum up the end of my 2022 is michka katerescu's solenoid published by Dalkey archive solenoid has shaken the foundations of my understanding of uh what the book as a book by an author who strives to write a book can achieve and it has a uh humanity to it that is uh shaking at the core and in many ways uh book has uh, reinvigorated my own energy as an author to try to push the limits of what meaning and language could achieve and reading solenoid is something i highly recommend So bearing with me at the 14 minute and 58 second mark. And if any of you are still listening, I love and thank you for bearing with me. And I want this just to serve as a guide uh, to what you might be interested in reading. Here's a quick look very rapidly at what my coming year looks like in terms of some things that I'm very excited to read. And if this was some type of literary book presentation game show, I will try to do this in uh, what the hosts would call a rapid-fire round. In 2023, I will embark upon reading Arno Schmidt's Bottom's Dream, a book that Jason... From C.S. Miller books made possible to bring into my life that I will forever be thankful for, and I will read Bottom's Dream from beginning to end in 2023, 2020, 2020 2023, and I uh, think it's going to be a powerful experience. I'm also going to read A Pastoral, A Mystopia by Leidy Thompson. I'm going to read A Bended Circuitry by Robert Stickley. I'm going to read Maxwell's Demon by Stephen Hall. I'm going to read Triangulum by Masande Natasanga, which is a wonderful $2 radio press release. I'm going to read Panpsychism in the West by David Scribner. I also intend on reading Is Consciousness Primary? Perspectives from the founding members of the Academy for the Advancement of Postmaterialist Sciences, edited by Gary Schwartz. I also intend on reading Art and Physics, Parallel Visions in Space, Time, and Light, by Leonard Schlein. I'm also very excited to read Sunshine on an Open Tomb by Tim Kinsella uh, genius and uh, bandmate of uh, wonderful groups such as Make Believe and Joan of Arc uh, wonderful human being Sunshine on an Open Tomb featherproof books I'm also going to read Neuroexistentialism, Meaning, Morals, and Purpose in the Age of Neuroscience, edited by Greg Caruso. Additionally, I plan on reading The Electromagnetic Brain, E.M. Field theories on the nature of consciousness, written by Shelley Renee Joy, Ph.D., who is a thinker, scholar, uh Psychonaut, who uh, was kind enough to blurb my novel America and the Cult of the Cactus Boots, and Shelley Renee Joy as someone that should be read by all. Additionally, in 2023, I will read Everything is Cinema, The Working Life of Jean-Luc Godard. With the death of Godard this year, uh, one of the most inspirational French filmmakers that has affected me as an artist, a thinker, and human being, I feel that it's time to reflect upon uh, his writing and work. Additionally, I will read Consciousness is the Universe. Conscious Awareness, Neuroscience, Quantum Physics, Evolution, Development, and the Unconscious Mind by Rowan Gabriel-Joseph. I'm also going to revisit two books that I think will be critical to my own writing this year. One is a reread of I Am a Strange Loop by Douglas Hofstetter, a book that changed my life in ways that I'm not able to describe here. I'm also going to reread Deluge's Difference in Repetition, a book that also changed my life as a reader. And then lastly, I'm going to read the two-volume set Catapholique uh, by Peter Kingsley, Carl Jung, and The End of Humanity. And then in 2023, to sum this up in a 20-minute rendition if anyone is still listening i will be spending the bulk and majority of my time working on writing a book uh, my second novel called uh, the museum of general ideas which is a uh, follow-up to america and the cult of the cactus boots a diagnostic and i want to thank you all and wish you uh, love and well-being in the coming year And I look forward to all your incredible recommendations and discoveries that I, too, will make as a reader and writer because of your passion for books. Thank you and good night.
11: We're back. Phil, seriously, you got to cool out on the caffeine, man. This list is absolutely insane. Who could possibly read this in the space of a single year? (laughs) I Uh, love it. This guy's ambition is second to none
0: yeah and these were only his favorite books mind you like these are just the the ones he liked the best yes it's just unbelievable but he's got Ezra Mass on there which is amazing Um, I
11: kept shoving that book down his throat because I just see those two books as dealing with such similar concept Mm. I said to you before in a different conversation I want to put Daniel James and Phil Friedenberg in a room and just see what happens (laughs) something fascinating (laughs) would come out of that conversation that or the two of them would never leave
0: I have a feeling what would happen is a portal would open and they would both disappear forever. They'd both like go into some alternate reality.
11: Straight into the unified field.
0: Exactly. One of the ones I wanted to bring up in there was Hidden Camera by Zoran Zikovic, which sounds unbelievable. It's one of those books I've been meaning to get my hands on for a while, but haven't got there yet but i'm glad
11: that you brought it up because i was not sure how to pronounce that last name um (laughs) phil recommended this to me earlier in the year and Mm. it's one that i keep meaning to chase down um again the refrain of this evening um i was pleased to see sunflower by tex gresham on there. former guest of the show
0: yeah and that is a great book i Mm. really you know i hope that gets some more love but he's just so prolific tex like he seems Mm -hmm. just to have 20 things on the go but it is a great book one of the other ones on there that i just love the sound of is the uh torn veil by gregory r marshall that also just sounds like a brilliant read
11: absolutely looking forward to next year um the i'd suppose three i want to highlight bottom's dream by arno schmidt translated by john e woods that needs no introduction i assume I would love to read it. It's just a matter of finding it for less than $1,000. <laughs> so right. damn you, Phil. Um, two others, both of which I'm actually looking at on my shelf, just over my shoulder here. A Pastoral by Lee D. Thompson and Abended Security by RSS, Robert S. Stickley.
2: Mm-hmm.
11: Both from Corona Samusdot. I have a confession. Um, before Abended Security was picked up by Corona Samusdot, RSS messaged me like seriously, like a year and a half ago, being like, Hey, man, I wrote this book and I'm interested in getting some people to read it. But Mm -hmm. I was just, I had so much on my plate at the time, I didn't end up responding to them. And then it gets picked up by CS, and then I pick up my copy and I look at the first page and just go, Oh, I made a terrible mistake. (laughs) So, Rob, if you're listening to this, uh, I am sincerely apologetic for doubting you because you have an incredible book on your hands and i um just got a pastoral in the mail like a week ago mm. a rick brick if i do say so myself um mm. and yes. that that's what i'm really looking forward to as well
0: A have security um mm. i've gotten right into it it is fantastic the writing is unbelievable like it is not it's not what i expected at all and it does not feel like a debut novel in any way. Check out the interview that uh, you probably haven't seen yet, but you will be seen by the time you hear this, uh, if that's not confusing. He's an unbelievable writer. And uh, the, the way he talks about his writing is pretty amazing. Like he's really, really a cool writer. So I highly recommend that book.
11: I mean, you doubt Debut novels, but then you also have the recognitions as your mm. all-time favorite book. So, I mean, keep that in mind when you That's say right. things like that. <laughs> but then again, exactly. I doubted it as well. It's incredible; everyone should read it.
0: I I just didn't think that when I read it, mm. looking at the prose afterwards when i asked him like if that was you know basically his first attempt at writing something like i assumed he'd have like 50 manuscripts in a drawer somewhere because of the nature of that book but um no it is like a first first book so yeah it's pretty amazing
11: all right Uh next up um we have zachary tenner calling from louisiana
17: Hi, Beyond the Zero. This is uh, Zach Tanner, author of Oscar Submerges and Some Features of Living Matter in the Neighborhood of the Sun, and Margie and the Atomic Brain. Um, Some of my favorite books this year, George Eliot's Romola. I'm rereading J.R. right now. Um, I love this book. What else? Terra Nostra. That was a good one. Um, Books 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 of Outlander. Some favorites. Um, The Idiot, that was a good one, Ronald Furbanks. Uh, Caprice, what's on my list for next year, for the future, um, A Bunch of Baron Corvo, Francis Parkinson Keys, Louisiana Novelist, um, Finishing the Magic Mountain, Elliot's Adam Bede, uh, Middlemarch, Paulman's Argall and The Rifles, um, five novels by Philip Dick, *In Sensibility, The Confessions of Edward Dahlberg, and The Olive of Minerva, or The Comedy of a Cuckold, uh, narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, hopefully Bottoms Dream with it. Um, also reading the Compact Oxford English Dictionary, New Century Dictionary, and Dictionary of Louisiana French, and Roger Penrose's the Road to Reality, rereading that one, and rereading uh, Black Holes and Time Warps by Kip Thorne. Yeah, a pinch I'll reread this year, either Gravity's Rainbow or Against the Day, I think.
11: All right, so this is not one of Zachary's picks. This is one of my picks from Zachary, which is some features of living matter in the neighborhood of the sun. This is a little Louisiana Swamp novella he wrote earlier this year. And it blew me away. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And you guys should definitely take the time out to read that one. But what do we make of his picks from 2022?
0: Again, we've got Volman here. We've got Bottom the Dream again here. We've got Pinch on rereads. That's for 2023. But like Mm -hmm. we've got some great stuff there. George Eliot, Romola. I don't know that book.
11: I actually didn't know that one as well either. I had to Google it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do not know that book. JR's fantastic, obviously. Um, Yeah, like he's got some great books on there. And his new book as well that will be out next year, I believe, I think Margie and the Atomic Brain sounds unbelievable too. So can't wait for that.
11: I pride myself on having a little piece of ephemera of the Margie and the Atomic Brain. Um, When he sent me a copy of Features of Living Matter, he -hmm. included a piece of his like hard copy, rough notes that were drafted into the book so I've got a little piece of the book in construction on my hands which is just Mm. a lovely little piece of ephemera to have
0: that's awesome Mm -hmm. all right shall we go on to Veronica from yummy yummy ice cream was it yum yum ice cream
11: I think think it's just yum yum ice cream I'm not sure it's a pretty chaotic Instagram name but she's (laughs) she's got a great account I know yeah let's see what she has to say
18: hello Ben and Seth Um, I wanted to tell you guys about my favorite novel of this year, and it kind of feels silly calling it that because really it's just my favorite work of literature of all time of any year. Um, It may seem premature to say that about something I only read this year, uh, but when it's Marcel Proust in search of lost time, I feel pretty strongly that this is a very reasonable assertion for me to make. My experience with this book, um, it was so rare, uh, that feeling not too far into the first volume, which is Swan's way, that something was written specifically for you, that Proust knew I was gonna be reading this and he wrote it for me. It's themes, memory, art, jealousy, society, all grounded in how they are affected by and unfold in time. His sensibility, his ability to utterly eviscerate someone one moment and then complicate that monstrous face with strokes of beauty and humanity. You just get the impression that he was able to see and understand the totality of the beauty and awfulness of humanity, that he could see it in all of its facets. Reading this book for me was like hitting a tuning fork and then holding it up to my soul and realizing that they vibrate at the same frequency. That might sound hyperbolic, but that was truly what my experience of this astounding work was. Uh, In 2023, I'm hoping to finally get to Moby Dick and Infinite Jest and continue with uh, my project of reading, you know, the big heart seminal classics, seminal books, the works that are so very often mentioned on this podcast. And I also want to spend more time exploring uh, 20th century, well, mostly mid 20th century English women writers like Elizabeth Bowen and Elizabeth von Arnhem, Elizabeth Taylor and the two Barbaras, uh, Pym and Comins. So I'm very excited and looking forward to doing that. And here's to a great 2023 of reading for us all.
11: Okay, so before we get any further in here, Veronica, we need to talk about your book piles, okay? So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, go to yum yum ice cream on Instagram and just look at the absolute mountains of books that she's got (laughs) in, I assume it's her room. They are gorgeous, but they are so stressful. I am worried that one of those (laughs) stacks is going to fall over on you one day and no one's going to find you until the excavators make it in. Please get a bookshelf for my sanity.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yes, she's got some good favorites from this year. Marcel Proust, of course, in *Such a Lost Time. Well, I've only read the first volume of this, uh, Confession Time. But yes, that is something that eventually I will get to. Yes, a new translation of it coming out.
11: NYRB uh, by James grieve Yeah, just Swan's Way. Um, so it may be a Lydia Davis situation where it's just the mm, first volume, or yeah. he may continue on. I'll be interested to see how that reads against like Moncrief and Davis and some of the other ones.
0: For sure. I think I've got the mm. Moncrief one here. Mm. I will go back to that at some point. That's that's a future project. I'm not getting into Yeah, that absolutely. Right. Yeah. And she is looking forward to Moby Dick Infinite jest next. My year,
11: confession time. Great. I haven't read Moby Dick. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's all right.
0: I think he can get away with it. I think he can know enough about Moby Dick to talk about it and, and no one would know the difference.
11: I hear you got to be really into ropes, a lot of rope talk in that book, as I understand it.
0: A lot of ropes and whale penis, you know, a bit of everything. So
11: yeah, I truly don't consider something literature unless it includes whale penis though. (laughs) There's future writers out there. That's my advice.
0: Exactly, include whale penis in your books. And now a message from Daniel James, received by an encrypted email service. Nothing ever ends, or so they say, and yet here we are at the end of your show, part three, the final installment no less. It looks like I'm fashionably late again. If this really is the end, I'm glad to be able to include a few parting words, but something tells me that nothing really ever ends. And nothing is more real than nothing, as my old friend Samuel Beckett once said. I've asked Ben to read this short statement out, As if he's my attorney and I'm behind bars in Guantanamo Bay, because I'm currently off the grid, whether that's on the run or lying low from the Mass Foundation or laid low after a little too much bourbon and wearing up my voice singing along to Bob Dylan's Christmas album, I'll let you be the judge. Ben and Seth, I wish I could have been there in person, so to speak, but I look forward to talking to you both in 2023. In terms of my literary highlights for this year, I think personally speaking, appearing on Beyond the Zero is right up there for me. Ben, I'm not just saying this because it's your show and you're reading this out, You've created something very special in BTZ, something important, necessary and vital, something mind altering, knowledge expanding and downright fun. Long may it continue. It was a pleasure and a privilege to appear on the show alongside so many talented authors from around the world, and as a listener it has given me a vast list of books, old and new, to read over the coming weeks, months and years. Those recommendations and others I've received from readers and contacts around the world over the last year, are both my literary highlights of 2022 and my future reading for 2023 and beyond. Books like America, Cult of the Cactus Boots, The Voids, Conversational Therapy, Evan Dara's the Lost Scrapbook, the works of Laszlo Krasnel-Harkai, and David Keenan and Derek Owusu's new book, Richard Brodigan's in Watermelon Sugar, Nabokov's The Gift, Katerescu's Sonoid, Richard Smythe's new book, and many, many more have all been recommended to me and are now stacked up on my shelves, ready to read alongside the likes of Oster, Jorge's, Joyce, Kafka, Respecter, Pinchon, Vonnegut, and other familiar friends. I must give a shout out to Matt from Tower to the Sea Press in Portland, Oregon for sending me a beautiful copy of Paul Astor's Leviathan which is definitely getting read early next year. Thanks Matt. I've also got The Passenger and Stella Maris to read by Cormac McCarthy. I'm interested in taking a look at Murakami's novelist as a vocation. I read Milan Kundera's The Art of the Novel early in the year, which I would highly recommend, and I'm intrigued to read Murakami's perspective on the subject. In terms of books read, Delillo's Libra remains the novel that has blown me away the most this year. I appreciate I'm about 30 years behind on the curve on that one, but better late than never. On a more contemporary note, I was really pleased to see Graham McRae Burnett's novel Case Study on the book along this, this year. It's an excellent novel, and it's always good to see a writer of metafiction being recognized. One of the first and most important things I want to say in this message is thank you. Thank you for Beyond the Zero and Waste Mailing List. But importantly, thank you to everybody who has supported my work over the last year, every reader, every reviewer, every bookseller, everyone. It has been a brilliant and beautiful feeling to see the cult around the unauthorised biography of Ezra Mass continue to grow with the release of this year's special edition. From readers in Hudson Valley, New York, to Melbourne, Australia, and everywhere in between, the reaction has been incredible. Mass lives, he truly does. And while I've heard the Mass Foundation's up to its old tricks again, buying thousands of copies of the book in bulk and having them ground into a fine powder and turned into cigarette filters for Helena Mass and her board, they don't control the narrative around Mass anymore. You do. All of you have read the book. Mass belongs to you now. There are a small number of copies of the special edition still out there, True readers need to get their hands on them before the Foundation does. The book and the truth with it belongs to readers and as long as people continue to seek it out, it will never be silenced. It has been a landmark year for the unauthorized biography of Ezra Mass. From a five star review in the Times to the book being added to the permanent collection in the Library of Congress on Capitol Hill, Washington DC to a launch and exhibition at a prestigious London Art Gallery to just last month releasing the companion book, the mind bending essay collection that is nothing is more real than nothing it has really been an eventful year to say the least and perhaps all of that might have been eclipsed by seeing karaoke with booker prize shortlisted author Gray mcrae burnett at the after party of the newcastle launch no wonder i've lost my voice Next year I'm very excited to continue to work on my new novel. I've got multiple writing projects on the go, like some crazed madman living out of a Manhattan Beach apartment. I can't wait to share my new material with you all. Until then, I wish everyone a very Merry Christmas, wherever you are and wherever you celebrate it, and a Happy New Year. Happy Holidays, everyone.
11: All right, and next up, we have a good friend of mine, Nick Brody, who goes by the Instagram handle handle, brody.nick, my trusty recent video editor as well. Um, We
19: may or may may not talk about that down the track.
11: Uh, Let's hear what he has to say.
19: Hello there, Mr. Pod and Mr. List. It is uh, Brody.nich, N-I-C-H. Um, hope you guys have had a, a fantastic evening and a fantastic weekend. I'm a Bit of a, a long-time listener, first known caller. Um, yeah, in all seriousness, I don't really have much to say in terms of how my year has been from a reading perspective. Um, I'm not smart like you guys, so I can't kind of like talk for 15 hours straight about one particular book I'm kind of with the kind of person to be like, yeah, it's sick, and then go to the next one. So I will say, though, that, as I'm sure a lot of you guys know already, coming across Mr. Murakami um, out of the blue reading 1Q84 was a bit of a world changer for me, actually. Um, didn't expect that to kind of like grab me the way it did. And, um, yeah, for that reason, uh, my favorite book of the year has been pretty much, hands down, The wind Bird Chronicle. Um, don't want to bore you guys with the reasons why, but yeah, it's pretty engaging. Unlike anything I've read before, um, I'm, I kind of want to read it again already. I kind of like already started reading it again as it is. Um, but yeah, just from the first page where just opening it up right now. The first page where our lovely protagonist is cooking um, – cooking pasta, he's unemployed, cooking pasta, listening to Rossini's The Thieving Magpie, and he's getting mysterious phone calls from people who happen to know who he is. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of like um, catnip for me, that kind of stuff, just that that mystery kind of deepens from there. Anyway, um, hope you guys are having a fantastic time. I I hope you've both had a fantastic year. And I'd like to give a last final shout-out to... Um, 11th volume um, wishing him a happy sweet 16 today so mr 11th volume hope you're doing fantastic today love your work and um yes to beyond zero pod and waste mailing list. hope you're having a good time Catches later boy there is no higher aspiration
11: in my life than to be unemployed and eating pasta so i do relate to that heavily <laughs> And for context here, uh, Mr. Volume just celebrated his dirty 30 today. So I second that. Uh, Nick, if you're listening, a very happy birthday to you.
0: Happy birthday, Nick. Nice work.
11: Very astute pick or coincidental in a way, um, because I just picked up a copy of that for my partner today for Christmas. I'm wearing headphones, so luckily she can't hear me. So she doesn't know what book we're talking about. (laughs) yes
0: it is actually really good i really enjoy that
11: book i haven't Um, read it but i've heard it's excellent
0: it is it's really it's like the iq 84 i think is is brilliant but yeah i think the wonder bird chronicle is especially for to give as a gift i think it's a great book Mm -hmm. Um, it's uh that's a lot of fun a lot of there's a lot of sex in it but um yeah a lot of cats but it's fun
11: hopefully not sex with cats
0: I don't think so I believe the cats do not engage in sex all
11: yeah. right it is concerning though if you have to say I don't think so with <laughs> well, a I pause to when I suggest that
0: I did have to think because there's definitely some interesting stuff so
11: cool oh whatever but- I've read pension we all know the catch a brigadier pudding scene I can handle it
0: exactly that's right that is correct shall we listen to who was it
11: Yeah, uh, Minu. Minu. it is a friend of mine from Instagram. She goes by the handle, I've actually never tried to say it out loud, but I'll I'll spell it here, at D-E-M-E-E-N-I-M-I-S. No idea. She's an extremely sharp reader. And Mm -hmm. kind of like Kevin from the Hudson Valley Book Nerd, she absolutely ingests books. Like she, put it this way, she read the entirety of Pynchon this year. And that's on top of like a bunch of Gaddis, Terra Nostra, a bunch of Cartarescu. Like I, she just rips through stuff. So I'm interested to hear what she has to say.
0: Oh, all right. Let's go over to her.
20: The one writer who dominated 2022 is undoubtedly Thomas Pynchon the year had a screaming start with gravity's rainbow which made for a befitting introduction to the year as well as to pynchon's work the fact that it required involvement effort and constant work made it that much more engaging and rewarding i've no doubt had i not started with it the reading lineup wouldn't have shaped up as it did and it wasn't long before i decided to read all of his books in this calendar year And fortunately, they are quite good. So it wasn't a struggle, and many, many days were spent happily traveling through Pinchin Wars. Just for an example, I was quite surprised to find mention of continental direct theory. That was one thing I wasn't certainly looking for in in a fiction book. How does one incorporate that? The sense of freedom in narrative and the way he always makes it fun and adventure rolling down characters faster than one can keep track of and yet everything is coherent and harmonized like a very fine cocktail. I loved all of his books, uh, though my favourite remains Mason and Dixon. The next book that I would love to mention is the one I haven't yet finished reading and that is The Recognitions by William Gaddis. The reason is I'm completely in awe of the way the words are chosen and arranged together to make delightful sentences and very interesting dialogues. There is a beauty in its erudition and it's also marvellously humorous, which is a surprise. And it certainly doesn't get better than that and um, it is shaping up to be one of the best reads from this year. To quickly mention Ulysses which is indeed a literary giant and truly deserves a position. The many allusions and references which are cryptically Irish did baffle me. And there was a real struggle at times. But once again, the efforts are always rewarded, And this is one of those books which will deliver more on rereading. What I found from this year is that the seemingly complex maximalist work often demand greater participation and involvement from the reader. They do end up being very satisfying and that sort is quite addictive. And for the coming year, I do intend to follow more on similar books as I've read this year, such as Blinding and Terranostra." Solenoid is a definite luck out.
0: Wow. Gosh, she has read the entire Pinterest in a year. That's that's pretty amazing.
11: I've been reading them for years and I still haven't read the entirety of Pinchon.
0: That's in a year. That's crazy. That's I know. Amazing. I know.
11: Really yeah. good. I, I'm very chuffed to hear that she put Mason and Dixon up top because that's yeah. in all likelihood where I put it as well. I mean, she basically yeah. just read our top 10 list, right? We got Gaddis, <laughs> we got Joyce and we got Pinch and what that's else right. could we want? We are that's a sucker right. for the lit bro cliches.
17: Yeah,
11: Where is she from? List. I don't actually know. Um, okay. I've never asked her, um, but I've always enjoyed chatting with her we're getting to the bottom of the calls here. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more we're going to that are going to find or find their way into the finished thing here, but um yeah. is it that time, my friend?
0: I think we should do our our picks. Yeah. Are you ready?
11: You go first. Tell me what you love from this year.
0: All right. So, My picks. a lot of these have been mentioned before, which I kind of like because I think this community has just meant that we kind of share books in this brilliant way. Um, Pogue Mahone by Patrick McCabe, I think was just a great book. Really unexpected uh, and I just loved it. Brilliant. Ezra Mass by Daniel James. That was also something that when I read about it, I needed to pick it up. When I got the physical copy of the book, uh, I was astounded. This book is Probably the best produced book that I have ever
11: seen. Wholeheartedly agree.
0: Yeah, like I think the production value that goes into something like this is unbelievable. The cost of putting this book together, I don't know what it costs. Certainly the cover price of the book is worth the cost of this book. It is unbelievable.
11: I'm going to interject super quickly um, on the note of the price of that book. It is going to be going out of print, at least for the time being. They're finishing Mm -hmm. up this current printing and that's going to be the last this current edition. So if anyone is interested in the unauthorized biography of Ezra Mouse by Daniel James, I would encourage you to seek it out sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, I think from what Daniel tells me, it's almost all gone. So yes, get a copy, get a couple of copies and keep them and sell them online later on. <laughs> it's an investment. Industry of Magic and Light from David Keenan. I just love this book. He he He's just one of my favorite people at the moment. He writes beautifully. This book, I think, is better than This Is Memorial Device. Uh, it really does feed into that whole monument maker kind of uh, thing that he's building on. So, yeah, highly recommended. Uh, another person who I read his first book years ago, he's been on the podcast, Eduardo Halfon. His new book, Cancyon, is out. He's just another astounding writer. I went back and read through his other books this year as well um, because they're all fa- fairly short, but I just love his work. And again, it comes together in this kind of beautiful whole. The Logos or the Logos by Mark De Silva. <laughs> I don't think I need to say much more about that book. But if you haven't read it, if you're in America, it's coming out soon, I think, for you guys as well. But it is just such a good book. The writing is brilliant. The um, the content is brilliant. Everything about it is just great. Seth's video is unbelievable on this one. It's probably one of my favorite videos that you made this year. Much appreciated. It's um it's a great book. Solenoid, I'm not going to bang on about this book because I think I have enough already. But this is probably my pick of the year. I think it is something that doesn't come around very often. I I really think that these are the kind of books that I want to see more of. And I think it's a book for everybody. I don't think it's a, a particularly I don't think it's a hard book to read, but it is just brilliant. So love it. Last Share of Night by Mariana Enriquez, uh, translated by Megan McDowell. This is more genre fiction than I would normally read. But that said, I think it is just a great book because it does have a lot of political history in it. It's got some like as an allegory, it's great, but it's not just an allegory. It's, uh, it's really, really well-driven. Characters are well-developed. Dialogue's great. Everything about this book is brilliant. I think it'll win a heap of awards. Mount Chicago, Adam Adam Levine. It is unbelievable. Just read it. Gonna add a few more here. Javier Serca, "Even the Darkest Night. Annex by Blake Butler. Bended Security by Robert Stickley. My blind spots for 2022 so far. I haven't read the new Cormac McCarthy book yet because I'm waiting for the hard copy to arrive. The Septology, I've only read the first part, so I need to catch up on that. Antagony hasn't arrived yet, but I'm looking forward to that when that arrives. Alan Moore collection of short stories, which looks really interesting. Um, I know George Thales is interviewing him at some point. That sounds great. And then the Fressan we talked about earlier, the dream part, the remembered part. I haven't read those, so I will love to get onto those.
5: Awesome.
11: All right, so I've split these up uh, basically into things that were actually released in 2022 the few blind spots that I missed, and then the bat catalog reads. So things that weren't from 2022, but I read and really enjoyed. And I've just got a couple from kind of each section here. I'm not going to talk about anything I covered on my YouTube channel because I've already gone on about it ad nauseum. Anything I've covered on there, I loved. So just check out Waste Mailing List and you'll see everything you need to know about those books. But things that I didn't talk about extensively that I would like more people to read the Books of Jacob by Olga Tokarczuk, translated by Jennifer Croft. It's one that, it, it was a rough go at times. It really ebbed and flowed with me. There were periods, I think the Book of the Road, that section just really tried my patience. But the way that she draws together that messianic tale is just, it doesn't read like something that was read in the past or something that was written in the past couple of years it reads like old classic literature I, I don't know how else to articulate it it's incredible and what croft managed to do with the translation is just stunning so i want more people to read that don't be put off by its massive length you know 900 odd pages it is very digestible even if at times it'll test your patience to say the least um Second one I want to highlight is Human Rights, which is an anthology of what I would call sort of progressive slash transgressive speculative fiction from the publisher Amphetamine Sulfate, edited by Philip Best. A lot of stuff in here, probably the highest density of multi-author enjoyment I've had in a long time here it's got short stories and novellas from blake butler audrey zaz shane jesse christmas thomas moore tons more beyond that it's just some incredible work in there i think more people should read it go check it out and another one from this year that i am actually reading right now and i'd like to see more people read is another catalan book it's andrea victrix by laurenc villalonga translated by p louise johnson it's It's weird, and it's interesting. It's sort of this, it's almost like idiocracy, but literary. Basically, this guy cryostasis himself from the 60s into 2050, Mediterranean society. And it's just him mapping on his antiquated social beliefs on this sort of uh, neo, uh, what I would probably call kind of libertine, pseudo victorian decadence of the future it's just it, it's quite fascinating and very funny so far i'd like to see more people read that that's from the independent publisher Fum de estampa they're putting out the um uh summa chaotica later next year so i think they're doing some great work blind spots which i didn't get to read this year but i would like to would be annexed by blake butler which several people have mentioned yourself included Doomtown by Gabriel Blackwell. And of course, Mount Chicago by Adam Levin. Want to read all those badly. Couple of back catalog reads from this year that I thought were absolutely fantastic. First one is Boson by the author whose name I know, but who values his privacy quite greatly. So we're just going to go by his pen name, New Juche. Um, This is a really lucid piece of short. It's not really fiction. I'd actually say it's almost like reportage or sort of memoir. It's basically, he was living out a period of his life in the city of, I don't think it's called Rangoon anymore. It's somewhere in Southeast Asia. I want to say Burma or Myanmar. Mm, yeah. um, and he, as he was spending his time there, he was remarking on the Colonial architecture that makes up this city, and it sort of goes from him just wandering around the city, taking photos, drinking, eating, and encountering people, to kind of lapsing into this sort of trans-historical meditation on what it means to be complicit in colonialism. And it's just You're a fascinating to and really intelligent road. read with some really haunted, and sort of meditative moments of prose. So I would love to see more people read that. It's out from the Independent Press. I think they're called Kitty Punk based over in the UK. Another one is actually a nonfiction read. It's Wagnerism by Alex Ross, a fantastic musical journalist who sets out to answer the question, why did a German musical composer have such an incredible influence on so much work outside of the musical sphere? We're talking politics, uh military philosophy visual arts literature you basically can't live in the 21st century or even the 20th century and consume any form of media and not have Wagner's fingerprints on it and he wants to know why the cult around this guy um I think it's an absolutely fascinating deep dive into what this very problematic person means for the world of art that we ingratiate ourselves in. So I think more people should read that. And I also had the pleasure of hosting a little group read with Sean from Travel Through Stories of Terra Nostra by Carlos Fuentes, translated by Margaret Sayers-Pedden. That is a book that ingests thousands of years of Latin American history and for lack of a more eloquent phrase, shits out an entirely novel construction of what it means to have a Latin American identity. It is, it's massive, it's weird, it's difficult, it's poetic, it's lyrical. I will probably need to read it three or four times before I know even remotely what to make of it, but it lives in my brain rent free. So that would be a highlight from this year.
0: Okay, gosh, there's a few things on there that I would love to hear more about. The new Juche, which you introduced me to earlier this year, he is just unbelievable.
11: He's got this weird preoccupation with architecture. He wrote another mm-hmm. book, if I may digress briefly, called The Worm, where instead of on um, colonial architecture in Rangoon, he focuses on the Schwer-Balasting-Scorpor, which is that giant basically piece of Nazi architecture left in the middle of Berlin, the huge mm. concrete cylinder where Hitler was going to erect the Arc de Triomphe. It's just interesting what he does remarking on these relics of our historical past. Um, I think he's a fascinating guy. I would love to know more about his life. Mm. Um, I think I'm speculating. I assume he's got some demons in his past, which is why he keeps such a low profile but he's an incredibly kind person. My interactions with him have been absolutely lovely and mm-hmm. um, I want to see more work from him. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I really hope that his work gets a, a bigger audience as well, because I feel like, you know, he, he's been published by small press. You can get his books uh, occasionally, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think he needs to be, I need, he needs a wider audience. He's just brilliant. I really, uh, he's one of the people who I didn't know about until you told me about him. And um Ever since, I've just been kind of a bit obsessed by him. So Mm -hmm. brilliant.
11: All right. Tell me what you're interested for in 2023.
0: All right. 2023. Okay. Andres Neumann has a new book coming out called Baralosh, which is out in March. Sounds great. He will be returning to the show. I just love that guy. He's great. Uh, The new Wellback. I'm going to look forward to it, even though it may be crap as Max has stated, but I will still buy it and still read it. The new Marias we talked about, Thomas Neverson, uh, that's also March, I think, but um, that'll be great. One of the books that uh, you've been talking about lately is The Deluge by Stephen Markley. Um, I started that and then put it down because I'm just going to really try and rip into that over summer because it is just, from what I've read so far, it's just brilliant. So I can't wait for that. Garden of Seven Twilights, it's on pre order. Literally, we'll be waiting by the mailbox for that book. I think that's one that. I will pretty much put down everything else I'm reading to read. There is, I spoke to Sergio de la Pava. I actually asked him to come on here, but he is very, very busy finishing off a brand new book. So, um.
11: Brand new La Pava. I love it.
0: Yes. So that should be out hopefully late next year. The Volman Table for Fortune. I gotta hope that comes out. Um because I just am desperate to read that. And then Madden, Man Eating Typewriter, which we spoke about earlier, I think is going to be one of those books that uh, hopefully next year will be huge because it sounds amazing.
11: Excellent. That, that's all from you?
0: That is all from me. What have you got coming up for 2023?
11: All right. I am excited for you and everyone else to read The Deluge by Stephen Markley. It's just eclipsing the 900 page mark I have 50 pages left of it wow and I gotta say it's uh, I don't know how to classify it because it doesn't read like conventional literature but it's not a straight cut thriller either it's just something that has such a momentum Mm -hmm and a gravitational pull to it. It's, for those who aren't familiar, it's basically a speculative fiction book that imagines what the world is going to look like in the climate emergency over the next 50 years or so. And I think why I find it so fascinating is it's just, you can tell it's endlessly researched. He's thought about it from every angle, economic, political, religious, ecological. It's and he's got all these different narrative threads going on that he's tightening the strings on over the, over the course of the book, and all of them start to converge at the end in a way that doesn't feel force or forced or like conceded in any way it's, it's just kind of a masterclass in good smart fiction, and it's very, very scary. I have to keep putting it down because it's just, it it will stress you out because it's very real. It's very palpable, very tactile, but I think it's something more people should read because I think more people should be scared of the world we have on our hands over the next (laughs) 50 to 100 years. But anyway, let's not bring this down any further. Antagony by Louise Goita, solo translated by Brendan Riley. This has already been mentioned a couple of times, so I'm not going to bang on about it. Um, If you want to hear my reasons for wanting to read it, go back to the episode with uh i don't know i sent in a voice note and then you cut it in on
7: was mm. it
0: the
11: ben slotsky episode
17: i think so yeah yeah there yeah.
11: you go you can listen to that and i tell you why i want to read that um kafka's new diaries edition by Shokken, translated by ross benjamin is coming out from prh next year why I'm interested in that, because I've already got the diaries, but the Shotgun edition that spans from 1910 to 23 currently is only like three, 400 pages. Uh, this is going to be almost 800 pages. They have basically taken a lot of the material, more difficult and private stuff as well, that was excised in the original and put it back in. This is obviously very ethically dicey, but um, let's be real... The entirety of Kafka's career is ethically dicey. Uh, thank you, Max Broad. So that's something I'd be fascinated to read because his diaries, I think, are arguably his best work. Um, Garden of Seven Twilights by de Palal. We don't need to talk about this anymore, do we? It's, it's probably my number one most anticipated book from next year. Um, I would like to see more people discover Laszlo Krasnoharkaya. So this isn't for me personally, I just want more people to read him. I think he is someone who, when people first read him, they go, why have I been sleeping on this? Even just literally two days ago, I had a mate of mine, Nick from 11th volume message me. He read the I think it was a sequence from Sibo or um, Shot in Tango and he just goes what is this I did not know he could write like that Um, he is dense and demanding but he is absolutely worth it and then two things which are not technically 2023 but I would love to see Shot and Fro get a contract for the English translation that's being done by Max Lawton and Matthias Friedrich um they produced a sample this year of the first 30 pages or so, and it's phenomenal. I've mm-hmm. recently started learning German myself, so when I compare kind of the very, very rudimentary level that I'm at of the first page of Schadenfroh versus kind of what they've done with it, it's just, there's a lot of textual nuance in there that I think is really, really well done. I would like to see that book in more people's hands, so I do hope some publisher picks it it up. Mm. And I also really want to continue to convince Max to translate Boots by Palol <laughs> because we've got um Seven Twilights. Uh, I don't know if this is public knowledge yet, but I'm gonna say it. I just won't say who told me it. We will be getting El Troy Accord as well. I think that's gonna be from Dolki uh in the next couple of years. So a lot of Palol in our lives, and I'd love to see the entirety of the fragmentation game make it into English. So if you are not familiar. If you're listening to this, go check out the untranslated reviews on Polall. It will sell you. That is me. That is everything I have for you.
0: Brilliant, as always. Yes, yeah, Shattenfro, I read that sample. And um yeah, like you, I kind of wanted to learn German to read mm-hmm. that book on its own. So yeah, just... I don't know. The the Max and uh, Matthias have done such a great job. Like with that, the first thirty pages. I really cannot wait to read the rest of that book.
11: Absolutely. Let's uh, wrap this up like a present. You can find me on OnlyFans at waste mailing. Oh, sorry, different one <laughs> entirely. Um, I'm on all the social media things. Instagram uh twitter youtube Substack, spotify they're all waste mailing list with the exception of twitter which has character limits so i think that's just waste mailing although with the way that that's going that might be gone in the next week or so considering what musk is doing with that platform so this may not age well but um i'm gonna go out there and say it so yeah if anyone's listening to this wants to chat reach out i'd love to hear from you
0: check out seth on mastodon
11: Absolutely. I still have no idea how to use that. (laughs) Neither do
0: I. All right, Seth, thank you. It has been a blast having you on and just a massive year ahead of brilliant books. Enjoy your holiday uh, over summer, over winter, over in Canada. Have a very merry Christmas and a very happy new year full of reading and creative stuff.
11: Ben, it is a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for having me on and I'm looking forward to doing this soon. Brilliant. Okay. Thank Take you care. So Happy much. holidays. See you, you too. Well, that is the end of
0: the end special. A huge thanks to my co-host Seth from Waste Mailing List and to all the wonderful contributors. Thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers as well. As always, check out the show notes and you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at beyondzeropod and you can email us at beyondzeropod at gmail.com You can support this podcast by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Beyond Zero. We'll be back with your next episode very soon. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah and I wish you a brilliant year of happiness and reading in 2023.
4: When we finally kiss goodnight How I'll hate going out in the storm